please hit like, share, and subscribe. Now enjoy the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Good evening, Jim. <laughs> well, good evening. That, was, that How an interesting, was that an interesting way for me to begin my my um, lamentations? Good evening. Because if you don't know, the greatest thing in life is to crush enemies sitting before you and the lamentations of the women. Um, lamentations? Yeah. Um, that's from Conan. So I'm not, I don't agree with that, but, you know, that's a Conan thing. Um, uh, you know, he's a barbarian. Like, he's not going to be... I was be, just um, doing the... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Response. The um, kindergarten cop response. Yeah, yeah. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. Yeah, I know. It's not I'm very, I'm very well aware about you know him and Cindy taking longer walks on the beach and uh, going to the movies together. And yeah, yeah, that's a great movie. If you haven't watched it, uh, should probably brush up. There's some good stuff in there. I'm actually rebranding my um my Twitch and like so now when you click like and subscribe well I don't have subscriptions available yet but when you click like it has a picture of Arnold and says come with me if you want to live and or follow oh, I guess. That's so yeah awesome. um, come with me if you want to live it's it's for the follow when you click the follow button you know yep. um yeah that's I, cool. and then you know when I, I already know that when I finally do make affiliate at some point it the the uh, subscription button will be you know um will be uh, him and, and Dylan from Predator grabbing hands and you know uh be like dylan you know um yeah. <laughs> anyway um i actually think i probably should just overdub the voices of it too that would be kind of funny too um <clears throat> yeah anyway um gosh so where do i start this weekend all right so friday rolls around i totally forgot that my gig is this weekend i didn't prepare at all okay oh no and um so Saturday morning, I know the gig's like, I'm going to have to be up there like four o'clock. It's up on Highwood. So it's like, it's an hour from my house. Um, so I get up at like 8 a.m. I take a look at my pedal board. I realize I didn't do a lock a pedal down. <laughs> I need to put battery. Oh, no. I need to put batteries in my sun face. I flip over my board and I see all these cables hanging and I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even bother to zip tie things. Um, I ran out of zip ties while I was finishing it off. Uh, it, oh, dude, it, it gets better. Trust me. It gets better. So then I'm like, all right, I got, I, I did go yet the day before I got bungee cords. I got, oh. um, I got all the things I need to deal with the situation. Right. I got my cart. I loaded up the car. I actually did dry run, hooked everything up, played a little bit, took everything down, threw it on my cart. Um, took it outside, put it on, put it in the car, got a little, dro drove all the way the hell up there, which is actually like not a straight shot. You can't just take like 294 up there. You have to like get off and go the back roads, some of it. And like, it's because oh, no. the road system in this city is just, it's a joke. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. anybody I've who's lived Chicago. in Chicago or driven through Chicago, like I'm sure you have experienced the jokeness of it. Um, oh, yes. so we went. I went all the way up there and uh, got there and I was like, oh, where do I park? 
and it's in, it's in like a little downtown neighborhood, um, which is actually like on the, the I guess Highland Park and Highwood share the same downtown. Um, anyway, so I'm like driving around, like where do we park? Where do we park? Finally, texted the guys. I'm like, dudes, where's my dudes? Where's the parking? And um, so he's like, oh, just park on the street. So then I had to do U-turn, like after I'd already been driving around for 20 minutes, I had to do a U-turn and then go back and like look for parking. So I ended up parking like, like, like two blocks north of the place. I get out, I'm, I'm, I load up my cart, which is always like super awkward. You're like standing in the street corner, you know, hoping that somebody yep. doesn't pull in behind you while the back doors open, while you're, you know, unloading amps and guitars and everything else. Um, and it's a, it's a nice neighborhood, so I wasn't really worried about getting ripped off or anything. But but what I'm always concerned about that. Um, so I get my card all loaded up and get my bungee cords. It takes a good 15 minutes to load the card up and uh, roll it down the street. And of course, my cart has these tiny wheels, and I keep getting stuck in the concrete. And I'm just manhandling this thing. And you can tell I manhandle it because my arm hurts really bad today. Um, so get all the way down to the uh, venue, run into the guys, and they're like, oh, uh, go through the fence door into the parking lot area. Well, so they have like a lounge that they normally have in the in the summer, and then they have a parking lot, which is covered with a tent. Um, so technically, they would have had a parking lot, you know. Um, right. But I go to the fence, and I, I wheel my cart up, and I bang into something. And I'm like, what the hell? And I look down, and there's a gas line running in the walkway going through the gate and i'm like well, hopefully didn't break anything uh i don't want to really explode in the middle of the performance so i casually lift my cart over the gas line hoping no one saw what had just happened uh rocked it over the thing and pulled it into the uh into the tent area <laughs> um somebody somebody asked me they're like what the hell is that is that like an electrical i'm like well there's a gas I said, there's a gas meter hooked up to it. So I'm pretty sure that's the gas line. And they said, yeah, that makes sense. I was like, yeah, no shit. Um, <laughs> it's not painted yellow. There's no, there's no, you know, like sign on the wall that says, you know, please step over. Anything like that. It's just a gas line, uh, not under concrete or anything. Totally exposed for you to trip over um, <laughs> or run your cart into with, you know, 100 pounds of gear on it. Um, oh, Jesus. So then I get there, like push it, go back all through here. And so like the venue is cool. They got like a tent set up. It's a big tent, um, like bigger yep. than you'd see for most weddings. And it's enclosed there. So like I can't see the outside world. They can't see in. And so um, they got to set up. So there's like a curb that they're using for the stage. And I'm already there. Sound guys, because it's part of a festival. They'd been there last night. Um, the main guy was in another band, actually was in a band I was in years and years ago. Um, and so I was like, where am I setting up? And it's always this big thing because there's like, there's five of us in this band. Plus this is, this is the kicker. The band that, um, that Mike was performing in that night, he brought his Hammond to be three. So we had oh drums and then we had like this keyboard station that was bigger than the drums. Um, oh yeah. I've it's a Hammond. Hammond B3 and the rotating speaker cabinet. Okay, I, I I walk up to Mike and because it's his gear, I'm like, dude, I didn't know you had a B3. And he goes, he goes, yeah, he's like, I've had it for a couple of years. And I'm like, how do you haul this thing? He's like, I was like, you have to rent a truck. He's like, no. He's like, I got a trailer. 
Wow. I'm like, you have a trailer. Okay. You have a trailer. Right, fair enough. Fair enough. You know, Thanks I'm like, hey, well, I'm, I'm just sitting there thinking like, where's the trailer parked? Um, a- anyway, so uh, all of the the stuff for them is already set up and he helps me get my uh, sound and stuff straightened out. I get my pedal board and I'll get my gear all hooked up. It takes me like 25 minutes to hook up the rig now because it's all, it's all analog gear. It's like the real deal stuff. Um, and I mean, it sounds great, but we'll get there. Uh, so I get everything hooked up and then like go to hit the first chord, nothing. I'm like, what the oh, hell? Boy. So I start dicking around with my pedal board and sit down on the ground. Like I, I turn my amp on standby and then turn it, or and actually, uh, turn my, my, um, attenuator all the way up, turn the amp back to, you know, play mode. And I'm touching the end of the yep. cable and I'm going through and testing each, you know, each end. <laughs> and I dicked with it for like 20 minutes and I couldn't even get the King of Tone by itself to work, which is the last pedal in my chain. So I'm like, what the fuck is wrong? And I'm dicking around, <laughs> dicking around. And then like, I unhooked the King of Tone and everything else works. I'm like, my King of Tone must be broke. And then I thought about it for a minute. I went, there's no fucking way this thing is broke. So I plugged it back in, stood up, dicked around, turned off the yellow side. Everything started working. I was like, oh, glorious. All I need is the red side anyway. And then I looked down and I realized the yellow side volume is at zero. All the way down. <laughs> I had a conniption over the fact that I didn't even look at my damn knobs. And I yep. just stood there for a minute yep. and I just said, you fucking idiot. Um, you moron. Yeah, like, because I'm like borderline having a panic attack. I'm like, if I had to, I could get yeah. to the gig with just the reverb and the distortion on the amp. It's not a big deal. Um, I have my switcher, you know, so I actually have my amp switcher that night and I'm like, this is going to work out. It'll be fine. And then I realized, oh, my board's just, it's just me being an idiot. Board's fine. Actually, board was great. Um, although I had a wonky power cable running into the board uh, and I just reseated it and everything was good. So, <laughs> I ain't even going to ask. I'm not, I don't care nope. as long as it works. I got an extra power cable. If it goes out, I'll just right. swap it. Um, anyway, uh, did a sound check. Everything was good. Except during the sound check, I look over and I see this. It's so like this, the, there, there's a bunch of different people at this, at this venue doing like gear related stuff. And I, and I don't know, I don't have any of the inclination as to what exactly is going on. I see dudes coming in with cameras there's projectors going in and out. I'm like, what in the fuck am I looking at? And there's this guy. Now, bear in mind, first night was Grateful Dead Night. Second night was Fish Night. We were on Fish Night. Okay. There's a lot of people in Grateful Dead outfits that have come for both nights of the festival. And of some of them happen to be roadies. Okay. And I don't know what who they're road crewing for. Um, there's only four bands. And three of them, my buddy's in. Okay. So I'm like the guy with the B3, Mike. I'm like, what the hell? Like, who are these people? Um, he doesn't know who they are either. Uh, or if he does, he's like not paying attention. So anyway, I see this guy. He's like hovering around my my gear table where I've got my box of cable. There's nothing there you could steal. My box of cables right, right. and stuff. And he's like looking. And I realized I, I stuck my cart because um, it's it's convertible as like a dolly back in the corner, actually pushed up against the tent and behind one of the, the posts. Cause I'm like, Oh, nobody will see it. Nobody will trip over it or knock it over or hurt themselves. And he's eyeing my cart. I'm watching this guy walk over there and I'm like, Hey, where you going? 
He's like, he's like this cart. And I'm like, yeah, it's my cart. And he go, he goes, well, we can, we can use it. And he starts walking away with it. I said, you can ask. Yeah. And I, there was some expletives involved in this, this conversation. And I'm like, it yeah. would be nice if you asked in not so nice words. And the guy says, yeah. um, he says, what's the weight capacity? And I says, 250 pounds. And I said, if you break that thing, I said, you're going to be hauling my gear to my car after the show's over. And, yep. and, you know, I said, you will be carrying my stuff to my car, you know. And I, I said, just like I'm saying it right now, you will be carrying my stuff to my car. And I think the guy got the message like, don't really want to mess with this dude. Nope, you're not going to because I am not putting up with this crap. So, so he ends up taking my dolly, right? He asks and I say, fine. Mm-hmm. And then I see him actually walking around with one of our band members, which is, this is where shit gets really weird. One of our band members is helping them carry their shit in. I'm going, wait a minute. What? We don't even know who this company is. Like, this is a separate contracted company. And we're carrying right. their shit in? Wait a minute. Something There's deals and stuff going on here. Like, I'm sorry. These guys were paid. They can get off their ass and do their own thing. That is not our responsibility. Right. And maybe I'm being a jerk, but I'm like, I, I, I told, um, I told our, our, uh, band member, I won't say who it was, but I told him, I said, you shouldn't do that because I said, those guys have, I have insurance on this gear and stuff. And if you drop something, they're going to want to hold you responsible for it. That's right. That's not your responsibility. That's their damn problem. Um, whether they have insurance or not, you know, I'm like, I wouldn't touch it. I, I, you couldn't ask me to touch it. Like, I'd be like, no way. I didn't even like him grabbing yeah. my cart. So here it gets better, right? So we play right. the gig. I play really well. Everybody plays really well. And then uh, get through our final song. Like, crowd loves us, whatever. And then there's this, like, mad rush of what the hell do we do now? Like, every time we play. And it's like, well, are we supposed to tear down now? Do we tear down later? You know, that right. kind of thing. So, um, I run over to Mike cause he's running the show. Like he's basically the promote. He's the whole thing. He's the promoter. He's in three of the bands. He's, you know, so he's like, um, he's a sound guy on top of it. And he's like, he's like, yeah, just tear down. Cause he's like, we're going to have a lot of stuff to bring in. And I'm like, well, I'm sitting there thinking your B3 is sitting right there. What more could you possibly have to bring in? I mean, <laughs> you know, um, so I, I get my I haul ass. I get my gear off stage. It takes me about 25 mm-hmm. minutes. I mean, I got a lot of stuff to move uh, and, yeah, and yeah. try to do it neatly so I can start packing up. So I throw yep. everything in bins. In the meantime, all the stuff that my or all the, the table where all my stuff is, somebody picks it up and moves it. A patron. OK. And I'm sitting there going for real. Like the, the, the loads of musical equipment sitting on this table prompt you to move it like i don't understand people like i'm i'm lucky i had a lot of patience because i like thinking about it today and talking to you now and i i talked to somebody else about today like if this was me five years ago i'd beat your ass i would have just been like you know what we ain't gonna do this to haul me to jail i'm gonna kick the shit out of you and that would have been that would have been the end of it but apparently my therapy is paying off because i didn't i didn't even like i didn't even say a negative thing to him i was like whatever I did have, however, because I was right in front of the stage. So, like, 
we didn't have people sitting right in front of the stage. They were like six, eight feet away. So I had enough room to like get a lot of my gear off and then get my, well, we'll get there. But I had to go get my cart and have space for it. These ladies were sitting at a table and they start scooching up right after we're done. They want to get as close to the next band as possible. And I'm like, wait a minute, what the hell is going on here? And uh, as I'm loading up my cart, which will retroactive back to that in a second, as I'm loading up my cart, one of them makes a snippy ass comment to me. About like, oh, well, yeah, if you're going to be standing there messing around with your shit all night. Like this, what a view. I turned around and I was like, I was like, excuse fucking me. I said, I have to clear my shit off the stage. And I said, if you got a problem with that, you can take it up with the manager. <laughs> you know, it's like, go right ahead. You know? Um, right. So I lo- and I load it all up. I get it bungee cord and I move it. But the, but the real kicker was, I get all my shit together. These guys are moving the table and I'm going, where's my cart? Where is my goddamn cart? So I walk down to the other end of the tent where they have all the audio equipment and by uh, audio visual equipment. By the way, the crew that was um, road crew, they brought in cameras. They were live streaming the main band. They brought in uh, three cameras. They brought in uh, like six projectors and probably $5,000 worth of controller gear. And it's all sitting on this table over in the corner. Um, oh, $5,000 worth of rental cost gear okay this is the big stuff yeah yeah and i'm sitting there going dude there's like 50 people here like what the hell are you guys doing um anyway i walk over there and i'm like where's my cart and i said it out loud and like four people looked at me and i was like where is my goddamn cart and and nobody was like they were like they weren't gonna make any i was like listen you're not gonna steal my fucking cart where's my cart and I finally started just looking around. I'm like, screw it. They're not going to help me. Screw you. I'm going to find a damn thing. And I ended up lifting yep. up the table skirt. And underneath, of course, there's my fucking cart. And as I pulled it out, I knocked a couple things. I don't even know what I knocked off the table. I just pulled it off. I was like, don't care. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> Put my cart up. Walked down the other end of the venue. Started loading it up. Big smile on my face. Didn't care. Ha- of course, I had my mask on. Nobody could have told Nobody could have told what was going on. Because, you know, I just got off stage. Like, I don't care shit. Like, everything's cool. Um put everything on the car oh. and then and then like then it starts raining that that was like the absolute worst thing that could have happened because we were sitting there we're like oh it's not gonna rain like they said there's like three percent chance of rain well it while we were playing it went from like three to 50 and when we got done it went from 50 to 100 so it rained while i'm sitting in the while i'm sitting in the tent like waiting to take my because i just gonna take my stuff to the car i got an alarm and everything like and it's not far enough away i can't hear it I was going to hang out by the front and keep an eye on my car and hang out for a little bit. Well, it started to rain. And I'm like, oh, shit. Then I realized the, the the door I brought my stuff in, it's now closed. And they have a padlock on it. So I'm like, I can't even leave the way I came in. I had to wheel my stuff, big ass cart, right through the middle of this bar that's like two feet, two feet wide. And of course, everybody's oh sitting in the aisle. God. Oh, of course it, they are. Oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. for the band. I, in fact, yep. my band member's dad and his, I think it's his uncle. No, it might have even been, might have been one of the other members' dads, now that I think about it, walked me through the bar and was having people move the fuck out of the way for me. Because he's like, this is ridiculous. How are you supposed to get out of here? He's like, you can't leave your, your gear in there because there's no room. Like, it was almost right. standing room only. So... Yep. Um, which, which is all so, other thing. It's COVID and there's people like clustered up. Nobody's wearing a mask and everybody's drunk. Um, of course. 
So they're so all, you know, right in each that? other's faces and spitting everywhere. Oh, the one thing I haven't shared with anybody else. So I, we get there and it's humid. And I'm like, man, I got to get something to drink. So I walked into the bar and I'm like, can I get a, can I get a water? And the lady behind the bar, the bartender, she's like, well, there's pitchers out there. And I'm like, well, number one, there's no cups. But I said, number two, you think I'm going to drink in a pitcher out of a pitcher in the middle yeah. of COVID-19? Yeah, that ain't I said, I said, you can give me a fresh pitcher. And I'm like, I'm like, it's going to be mine. And I said, ain't nobody yeah. drinking out of it. And I said, I will drink it. I will drink it dry by the time we leave. Cause you know, I drink, yeah. I don't have my, my bucket sitting here, but I, I drink a bucket of water a day. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, Anyway, Easy, um, I can finish the soda and I might ask you to hold things while I can <laughs> go get another. Um, I'll, I'll text my son, see if he can bring me one. That's what usually happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> so anyway, she gives me, she gives me, she actually does. She gives me a, she gives me a picture, right? And uh, well, she should. Oh, she was pissed about it, but she gave me a picture and she gave me a cup. So I went out there and mm-hmm. I was like standing around for him. And I was like, where am I going to put this thing? And nobody's going to find it. Cause like I just, de- you know, somebody's yeah, gonna come up just and just grab it. Cause it's like, so I ended up putting right. it. On, I put it on stage with me, myself <laughs> to the side, like on the floor. <laughs> I was like, I hope nobody goes over there. Cause if I kick that thing, it's done for. Um, it, but it was off on the side. Like I don't think I was gonna be bumping into it. It's actually by a bunch of cables, <laughs> which is even <laughs> worse. It's like electrical cables, and there's a giant heater sitting there on the floor, and, a, and I'm and like. Uh, yeah, I just put this right behind there. Um, so I, it was, you know, it was cool. Like I got everything, uh, everything went well, like despite all the craziness. And I swear to God, every single gig I go to is this kind of nonsense. Every single one. Um, and we played well. I had a good reaction. I was not mm-hmm. in a good mood going into it. Um, not because of the stuff in the morning, but there've been some, some behind the scenes things going on that I was just like, um, but everything Turned up roses. Played really weirdly. Because it's like, I don't, if you've ever watched any of the stuff I've ever done, if you've listened to any of the stuff, how, when have you heard me clean? You know, like, it, right, it's right. just a whole nother animal when you have to get on stage and you're, I'm basically playing clean ass country music. And yep. um, I like to think I'm doing pretty well at it. Everybody, I mean, they're all drunk, but everybody seems to think like, yeah, no, he's doing a good job. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it sounds like country, but apparently it does. So, uh, it was fun. Like it, everybody was excited. I got paid, um, which adventures in Venmo. Um, that was a whole other thing yeah. this morning. He, my, our, our band leader, uh, texted me, he goes, you want to get paid? I'm like, yeah. And he says, well, how do you want it? And I said, well, we did PayPal last time because it was the only way that worked. And then, and then he's like, can you do Venmo? I'm like, give me 15 minutes. So I want to sign up yeah, for a Venmo you gotta, account. You got to make a account, Venmo account. Yep. Oh, God. It's just like, dude, just give me cash. Like, just give me cash later. It's fine. It's not, it wasn't even enough money to worry about. I was like, hey, I almost said, keep, just keep it. Don't worry about it. Um, but we did get paid. So I was like, no, I'm not going to devalue fine. myself. I'm worth at least this much. Um, anyway, so that leads us to the May May 8th gig, which, which is, uh, we're playing a farmer's market. And I say a gig, it's like in the loosest sense of the word, because what it really is, is it's coordinated busking. So it's a mm-hmm. farmer's market and they have asked us, this is the, this is the requirements. And then I can tell you why I'm pulling my hair out. Um, 
they have asked us to, uh, we've been there before, um, but apparently usually Kyle just goes by himself or maybe it's Kyle and two of the other guys. It's not, it's not the full, the full band um, to do this thing. So basically you sit on a corner or actually right now they get you sitting on the steps leading up to where the train comes through and you play music. There is no power. Now, that is where it gets interesting because most bands with no power just say, well, hell, we're busking. Let's just take acoustic instruments and right. do it old school. No, not us because our band leader thinks that it's much easier to sing, and he's right, with an amplifier. And because of that, I will always be drowned out because I'm going to be playing my acoustic guitar next to him at this event. So then, because he's going to run his acoustic through his amp, Right. And right, I don't think I can talk him out of that. Um, now, I'm going to explain a couple things about this, why I I could take the easier way out, but the easy way out is also the most dangerous way out. You could buy what he has, which is a diehard car, car battery with an AC adapter out. It's a jumper battery. Um, those things do not put out the correct kinds of power to power an amplifier correctly. What you need is something that has, there's a term for it. It's like parabolic power or something where it, it provides um, power more consistent with that, which you would get out of an outlet. Okay. okay. Now, when you're running off a battery, the ground doesn't matter all that much, apparently. But the, the issue is those batteries have a ton of amperage. If there is yeah. any issue whatsoever within your amplifier, and that could be a number of things. You could arc across your heart from a car battery. And in yeah. fact, it'll be a car battery that's more potent than a car battery because it's designed to jump them um, and release that stuff in a very short order. Uh, it is dangerous for both your equipment and you if you're not doing it properly with the correct equipment. Um, those things assume you'll be plugging something like a cell phone or a laptop into it. And I would not recommend you do that either, but it's an emergency use type situation or maybe even a light, uh, like a, like a you know, um, an overhead light for your car or something so that you could see while you're working on it. That's what those are for. They are not for powering things like amplifiers, which have high draw. I mean, you're only going to get like two hours worth of life off one anyway. Um, if, if that, I mean... It depends on how, how what kind of ample it is, how, how hard you're running it. Now, granted, we're not talking tube amps. At least they're smart enough not to do that. Um, but I, yep. I I would never consider this a viable option. The first time I saw them do it, you can remember, we back the show in October. I was like, eh. I was, I was squeamish about it. And I've done more reading up. And it's, yeah, I mean, basically the consensus is it can be done. Uh, may not be the best thing to do. Uh, may not may not be the right thing. To do. Now, of course, the... the um, idiot in me says i could die playing my con my conventional amplifier um so plugged into the wall so should i care mm, i mean so anyway uh long story short as i've gone down the path of looking at what other battery powered options i have now here's where things get interesting if you've never looked at this it's actually an interesting side of the business because there's a lot of cheap stuff that'll run on batteries that's really not loud enough to compete with um, full band type equipment. Right. There are also devices 
that will compete and are fairly inexpensive, but are usually really low on features. So I've initially started, Jim, you know this, I was looking at the Boss or the Bose S1 Pro, which yep. is like the Cadillac of battery-powered PA systems. Um, yep. Now, obviously, I didn't exhaust. I went and looked at, at amplifiers, but I started out with the Bose S1 um, and the JBL Eon, which they have a compact portable PA. Now, both of these are like 120-watt systems. I think I don't, the Bose doesn't actually publish its feature spec or its uh, speech uh, features. It, it's one of their array system units, and they sound really good. In the clips I've heard, it's more clear than its competitors. Like the JBL Eon's very focused; it has a lot of mid range, but it does not sound clear. It sounds like typical JBL, you know, live speakers, yep. which are not great, but they'll get the job done. Um, and then, so I look at those, and I was like, "Well, these are cream of the crop. These might fill the need for a PA system later this year because it was something that I was already thinking about." And that's not going to happen. Um, so the Bose S1 system is $600. The JBL Eon is $550. So then I said, well, what the hell? I can't, I can't spend this on a one-off gig. Like as much as I think that I might actually have a use for these things, I'm not sure I will. And because of that, that's a lot of bread to throw on something that I'm only using one time. Now I even thought about it from the perspective, I could sell my head rush and use this as a wedge, um, going forward. And I still am kind of thinking about that which is why the Bose is still on my radar. Depending on what's available, that might be the one I end up ordering because that's where things get sketchy. So I said, well, hell, I can get a battery-powered amplifier. And I've looked at everything from the fly stuff from Blackstar on up to the more expensive offerings like the Fishman Loudbox Mini Charge. I played a Fishman Loudbox today, and I got to say, um, I was impressed. It sounded really, really good. But here's the issue. The Fishman Loudbox Mini Charge is $500 for, and it's basically their smallest Loudbox with yeah. a battery. With a battery. That's Recharge ridiculous. The battery. What's the, yep. the smallest Loudbox is only 350 bucks. So you're the, telling me the yeah, battery the, is $250? Dude, battery technology is still expensive, and that's a rechargeable battery. Rechargeable lithium-ion battery. That's a big battery. Well, I'm just saying I can buy stuff. I can tell you this. The batteries, uh, I think uh, you probably don't look at my Facebook page, but um, the batteries for my mower cost more than the mower with the batteries together. If I was to buy them separately, I I would pay, well, almost as much. And the battery for my weed whacker that I just bought cost $50 less than if I bought the battery with the weed whacker. And so I was like, it was $150 for the weed whacker alone, $150 for the battery alone, or $200 together. No brainer. My mower, same thing. It was $350 for a battery or $400 for the mower and the battery. Well, and while, while I like, I understand what you're saying. I also sort of understand the paradigm of other industries where that and, and you can buy batteries and replacement batteries for a lot of this stuff that are that are aftermarket that are yep. just that are way cheaper and sometimes are even more capacity. Um yep. and the reason being is that this is the printer cartridge thing, right? Yeah. Where the cartridges the whole ecosystem thing. Yeah, the, the printer is being sold at a loss so you yep. can buy cartridges. And the cartridges yep. are being sold at a huge markup. 
because that's, that's the right. hidden cost, right? And I kind of wonder if that's what's going on with battery technology, but specific to this stuff, I think this is, they saw this as a niche product. They said people will pay the extra 250 bucks to buy one with a battery in it. I yeah, think it's exactly. only worth $75 more myself. I think it's, I think it's grossly overinflated because yeah. they didn't put it in the, they didn't put it in the big guy, uh, Fishman lab box. They put it in the mini, no. yeah. which is why I'm like, what the hell? Now, granted, yeah. granted, I probably would have paid 600 for the, for the big guy. Cause that makes yeah. sense, right? Like it's only a hundred bucks more than the big guy is. Yeah. Um, that's what doesn't make a lot of sense. That big one is really good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I can imagine the only thing I think that would probably be better than it is the, is the um, Mesa Rosetta, which oh, that yeah. thing is, that's another planet, but it's very expensive. Um, yeah. So the alternative was like, well, somebody asked me, said, why don't you just play electric? And I was like, you know, it's, it's an idea. And they said, get a Yamaha THR3 or the two, the 30 one, the 30 watt one. And I was kind of skeptical at first. because I'm like, well, these are made for bouncing sound off walls. But actually I read up and there are people using this for busking. So I'm like, well, if it's being used for busking, it must be loud enough to get over something. Um, and I and uh, I have a friend that has um, one of the smaller ones. I asked him, he said, yeah, it's really loud. He's like, it's louder than you're expecting it's going to be. Um and they're battery powered. So I was like, fantastic. And it's way cheaper. And they have an acoustic and an electric mode in it. So I could do either one. So I went right. to go buy one. I, I I actually waited until I got paid because I wanted to do the responsible thing and not put it on a charge card without the money in yep. hand. And yep. I went to go buy one Friday, Thursday, and reached out to Robert Jackson at uh, Guitar Center. And uh, they are out of stock now. So I actually missed my opportunity because I had gotten pricing and almost ordered one the week prior. So now I'm screwed, right? Because uh, last time I checked, uh, Sweetwater doesn't have them either. Um, Jeez. So I'm like, well, what do I do now? I'm, I'm checking right now, actually, as the show's going on. More on order. And they are not going to be in until probably the end of June. So, oh, geez. um, because they're, they're made in China, right? Uh, and they've sold through the, the last shipments. So now I'm back to square one. I'm like, what the hell other options do I have? I really don't feel like I should have to spend $600 to get a good PA system for this. So I Googled this evening and I came up with some other options. And apparently Behringer has a 40 watt all in one battery powered PA system with an eight inch low frequency driver, a one inch high frequency driver and a four-channel mixer, Bluetooth connectivity, wireless system integration, and a carry handle, plus a 12-hour battery. And the only caveat I can find on this thing is, number one, it's clearly made for being a public address system, i.e. Um, small format, like speaking engagement yep. type stuff. Yep. But there are people using them. it for music, and they said, yeah, it's not the best sounding thing, but it's loud. Like it, it, it'll carry over, a, you know, over a parking lot. Um, so I'm like, well, it's in my cart right now. Um, <laughs> but they, there are a couple of other ones that, that are out there too. There's a Samson one, which I have not had good luck with Samson stuff in the past. Roland makes one, which is actually more expensive than the Bose S1, which is just mind boggling mm -hmm. to me. Um, and then actually Behringer makes a couple. They have the Europort. They have the pro portable system. I think the pro portable system is more in line with their existing PA products, 
Whereas the Euro yep. court is clearly like office type speaking situations. And then there's the Mackie free play, which is $450. Uh, and then you can get into this crazy high end stuff, which I didn't even existed. There's the anchor audio stuff, which is like 2000, that's no, 200, 200 watt, like column PA, a line array stuff. And then there's this thing with like a dolly attached to it. It's a fold out speaker. And, and these like the reviews and them are like, these things sound great. I'm like, what the hell? Who's buying this stuff? Because I've never been to a show where they had a $3,600 battery-powered wireless PA system. Like, is there a market for this? I mean, uh, well, maybe this is like a right startup now, and they hope to get acquired. I don't know. Right now, a lot of churches are doing the um, parking lot thing. and uh, It could be. It could be. There is, a, there is a battery pack. Uh, um, that Fender makes um, that's actually meant to power the passport, but um, they're almost as much as the as the wireless PA packages are, though. Yeah, that's what's crazy. That's just it. It's that's, well, yeah, and it ain't it ain't cheap. Yeah, I mean the fact is that battery technology is freaking million years behind in what it should be. <sighs> And it's because there's been no. Um, is it technology or is the lack of demand for in this in demand. this industry? The lack of demand in the industry, and that the, and I that's I mean, that's the critical part. Our industry, yeah, it's not just our industry; it's just in the industry in general. In other words, I shouldn't say the industry in general; it's it's industries in general. What we don't have is a good, um, like all right, I need I need power that I can provide at home. On the road, with the exception of cars and vehicles, and now lawn equipment. Lawn equipment has only recently gotten powerful enough with batteries because it used to be. Yeah, well, lot, come on. You, until you had Lion batteries, yeah. you were never gonna you were never gonna get enough torque out of anything. Right. Yeah, you couldn't you couldn't mow a lawn with it. You wanted a lawnmower that plugged in. Now that's the dumbest thing I could think of in the world. Because I know I used to have a small you just run over you know, your cable place, and yeah, you can run over your cable and freaking. I'm thinking, well, there's a good way to kill yourself, mowing the lawn. Um, how did he go? Well, he had trimmed hedges. Um, you know, it's it's like it's ridiculous. Uh, so Ioxys, is what, which is a company I worked for before, um, did uh, that kind of thing, and they were in the battery industry. And what happens is. Um, truthfully, this is this is going to sound terrible, but I'm going to give you a little inside information, I guess. Um, so um, I remember we reached out to Shure. This was yeah, a long I, time. you've said this story on the show before, where you had this, oh, I did? this so, capacitor yeah. technology that you wanted to yeah. sell to Shure. So we had this capacitance, in, uh, and the capacitance could power a microphone for a gig. And Shure said, "Okay, can you fit it?" into this and they said no you'd have to retrofit and you know they'd have to they'd have to come up with a way to fit a capacitor in there now this is the thing this is the thing that sure said no to so batteries which you throw in the garbage right everybody was like oh environment well everybody talks shit about the environment nobody cares about it believe me sure said no because it would increase the end product value or end product cost by five cents or something like that, 25 cents, which would push it above the 99.99 ending 
the 999 ending that they had. So if you can't keep it under that one penny number, this is the logic that that we have as, you know, and the, now it may not be true. I said, you've got to be kidding me. Shore can say this is the first green technology. You can literally, this is this is how fast you can you could um, charge your microphones if you were if you were on the road. You plug them in, 40 seconds later, they're all charged to the max. And so if you have to change out a microphone, you pass a microphone off and you throw it in the charger. It's yeah. Like, we we were already doing it for flashlights for um, uh, uh, firefighters and and uh, you know police and things like that. But if if the industries in general are not asking for power that can that can give this much, and that's the thing, it doesn't matter what the industry is. It's it's a requirement for power to last this long for you know this much draw, and uh, you know. Um, so that's why the the battery for the fisherman is going to cost so much. Because to be honest with you, fisherman's probably paying close to retail for that damn thing. Well, and that's and that's what's silly about it, right? So like they designed this thing and they take an off the shelf battery, which is exactly what's yeah. happening. And whoever's yeah. producing this off the shelf battery isn't going to buckle on price. And like even though it's not necessarily the same because technology, fishermen as like won't a ask for enough of them, right? I, I mean, I get it. I, I do get it. But but that's and they can't buy in quantity enough to get the price down, which is really the, exactly which is right. the real reality, which is why I said yeah. the industry just doesn't want this stuff. Like if it if, did, it would be it would be more commonplace. If Fishman was putting out thousands of those things a day, that'd be one thing. But they're probably putting out tens of them. Yeah, that's and what I'm thinking. And it's two reasons. One, it's expensive. Now, as soon as some I, – I hate to say it, but as soon as some Chinese company comes up with a knockoff where they can start shoving these things out for two or $300 less, we're going to go to to talking about that in a minute so or a few minutes. That's when we're going to get pushed to that point. So and, um, by, the yeah, time, by the time this episode airs, this gig will have probably taken, taken place because yeah. uh, I think it's – maybe not. Maybe not. No, I will have a solution close. by the time this the time this airs, because this should come out on the fifth. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens. I'm not like I what I, my plan right now is to get a Behringer cheapo forty watt system, bare bones. I don't want a microphone or anything with it because a lot of these compared with a microphone, bare bones cheapo system, and then use it one time. And if it collects dust, I won't feel bad about it. And I can yeah. resell it in a couple of months. Maybe I'll make, you know, a quarter of my money back. Um, but the reality is, like, at least I'll get through the gig. Because there was a little bit of drama. I'll be I'll be real. Like, they were talking about bringing somebody else in uh, to, to do this show. Like, I honestly, so my, this is where things get funny, right? My gut reaction, because I'm, I'm a nervous person. I'm anxiety ridden. My gut reaction was like, they're telling me that they're going to hire somebody else. And if they hire somebody else, that probably means I might be out long term, which I'm like, my that was my reaction. But then the other part of me was like, hmm, is this a bad thing? And I was like, <laughs> I mean, not necessarily. Uh, it's a different thing. I know I will have more time to work on my music. And I got to think it was like, and and this is if Old Stubby is listening, I apologize, but. 
Uh, I don't really spend much time on their music and and getting ready for that. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to. I just well, it's not that. It's I mean, we're a party band. Like, why would I take it seriously? You know mm. what I mean? Like, you there's don't no. Need to. I don't feel like there's real ambition or drive there. And for the forty to fifty bucks I get paid on a gig, like, I mean, exactly. it covers my gas money, but actually, it covers my gas money than some. My gas money was about five bucks to go up there. Um, yeah, so, but after you, well, I don't know how many times you rehearse, but we don't do, but rehearse. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me! Yeah, rehearsing. What's that? Well, let's. What's, oh, um, that's that thing where you guys get together and play, right? Yeah, once ganja becomes legal everywhere. You don't have to worry about rehearsing. Yeah. What? what? Come on. Come on, man. Come on. We, um, so, <clears throat> well, they were, so they were all like, it was cool. Like, I'll be honest with you. Like, I do like playing with them because it's no, it's no hassle, no drama. Something doesn't go right. Nobody says anything. Nobody gets super pissy with me. I don't have like yep. angry, like, I, I did have uh, the last rehearsal. I bombed a couple of things and it was really funny because what they didn't, what, what I don't think they realized was going on is like, I got all set up, right. I was ready to play and I got warmed up and then, uh, somebody brought out a pizza. Okay. A homemade <laughs> pizza. And it was sitting on the table and it was going to waste and it smelled really effing good. And I'd been on a diet, but I'm like, if I'm out in a social you know, engagement, I'll eat a little bit. So I'm like sitting there with smell. I'm like, Ooh. And so, we went to start a song and I had a piece of pizza in my mouth. And I'll tell you what, I played that entire song eating a piece of pizza. <laughs> like, I'd be like playing, 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 playing the rhythm part. And he's like, he's like, oh, take a solo. And I'm like, oh, do that thing. And then like, I'm still eating this thing. It's hanging out of my mouth, you know. And I'm like, um, jam it a little bit in there and then keep playing, you know, play with one hand like kind of thing. And then you know, jam a little bit more in there. And I'm like reached down in the pick and I got like, I got like a crumb stuck between my pick and my finger while I'm playing. And like, it's, this is like legit what actually happened in one of the songs and I'm still eating and I'm like still playing, you know, as hard as I can and like try to stay in time and everything. And everybody's rushing and I'm like trying to pull it back. And I'm just sitting there going, Oh my God. I'm just sitting there going, this is just nuts. Like I'm eating a piece of pizza and playing these tunes. Like what the hell is going on here? Um, This is the funniest shit. Well, that, but that's how it is, right? Like, so this that's how this band goes. Like, everything is always just a comedy verse. And then we get to the gig, and then I throw down. And it's like, okay. But but the funny part is, um, like, yesterday at the gig, I experienced something I've never experienced before. I've never played outdoors in a super humid environment. And right. my fingers got so effing sticky, I couldn't play. It was like being paralyzed. Because I was stuck to the front. I got a satin fretboard, you know, and it's not unfinished, but it was actually not sticking to the fretboard. It was sticking to the strings. And I'm like, oh, this sucks. So literally in the middle of a song, I'm using my shirt to try and wipe my strings off so I can I can actually play through. And I'm playing all this like oblique bend stuff in like one position because I'm like, I can't go up around like if I'm stuck right here. Um, fortunately, you know, I can I can eke one out. I can play with a broken string too if I have to, but it was like, uh, it was just one of those situations where I, I, I was kind of taken aback and Kyle looked at me cause I was standing, I was standing stage left to Kyle. He looks at me and he goes, um, he's the band leader, by the way, looks at me, he goes, wow, 
like <laughs> I just looked at him and I said, I said, you don't even understand. Just trust me. We're going to get better, <laughs> you know? And by the end of the show, he's like, yeah, okay. Uh, cause, cause I, like I, I resolved the issue by either not sweating or wiping something off or just, you know, power and through it. I don't know, a combination of the above. Um, but it was not like, it was a totally different thing. I've never been through that scenario where it's like, holy hell, I can't even play my guitar because it's like sticky. Um, <laughs> this is why people have things like that, that, that stuff that you spray on your hands or you're on your strings to like lubricate. And I said, next time I'm just going to take some powder. I'm going to get like some talcum powder or something and I'll just powder yeah. my hands yeah. before I play yeah. and it won't be a problem. Um, so, but it was just like, Jesus, I never even thought that would be an issue. Never even considered it. Um, this is so funny. <laughs> well, I mean, I play guitar gymnastics anyway, Jim. I mean, gymnastics yeah, powder, it'll be fine. Um, You're fine. Yeah, there you go. You could you could be like a gymnast. Standing where the side, uh, it's like all this stuff coming off. Now I start playing a solo. You know, though. believe it or not, <laughs> that um, when you mentioned that, um, when I go bowling, my son brings a little ball that's exactly the same thing. Just, just do that. I never thought about that. Till you just mentioned it. Dry off your hands. I mean, like honestly, it'll use that for my guitar. Yeah. Yeah. So if if anybody's tried something like that, like, please let us know in the group. He keeps, like, in a, he keeps it in a baggie in his in his bag, and that way it doesn't get all over the place. Yeah. Oh, let us know in the so, group or the comments uh, below because yeah, this is going on YouTube too. I, I'm curious if you're watching us on YouTube. There's usually a little blurb down at the bottom that says that we put. Uh, I want to apologize. It says that we put uh, chapters in the show notes. We haven't been yeah. doing that. I just yeah, don't have time to good. watch the entire episode to do it. Yeah. Um, so hopefully someday somebody we'll will put those in the comments. Tonight. Let me. I, I want to bring something up about that. But anyway, so um, so let's talk about um, uh, let's talk about expense and lack thereof. Yeah. So, um, uh, we'll probably have a relatively short episode tonight. We started late, folks. And I'm tired. It was my fault. <laughs> it was, yeah, me too. You, you can tell. Um, I, <laughs> I did the bad thing. Look at my face. Um, I went to Taco Bell. Um, <laughs> That's why he's ending early, folks. Yeah, the, I might not have a choice. Taco hell. Taco smells. Um, so, uh, it, Anyway, I, I I was um, watching YouTube as I do, and again I, I'm not a person that that I'll, I'll be driving down the road and I'm listening to it, not really watching it. And so I'm listening to our Rosano episode, and um, up comes uh, another thing. And of course, YouTube never cares that I don't ever actually watch Rat Shaw, but here it comes. Yeah, there's Rat Shaw. So. Um, and it goes, uh, it goes into his five reasons to buy an inexpensive guitar. So I'm like, okay, this might be pretty interesting. I'll listen to this. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, that was the first mistake. That was my first mistake. <laughs> Assuming that it was interesting and I should listen to it, because the next thing he does, he goes, yeah, I'm going to a um, a local music store. I don't know as he said the music store out. It's loud, probably the one I, he always goes to. Yeah. Yeah, it's this little white building hole in the wall. It looks like somebody's garage. Right? Oh, no, maybe not then. And a, and a hand-drawn sign. It's just, you know. And, of course, very hipster. <clears throat> um, so I'm not surprised at all. Goes inside. Um, 
And he's like, yeah, today we're going to be looking at some inexpensive guitars. We're going to try to stay in the 200 to $400 range. I'm like, oh, okay, that's that's smart. So that's, basically Squires. It's good. Inexpensive. And he goes, but we're not going to look at Squires and Epiphones. I mean, everybody, Squires and Epiphones. All right, so, so here's two things he says in the beginning that he doesn't stick to. One, two to $400. Two, not really looking for Squires and Epiphones. So I'm like, okay, maybe he's going to come up with something different. Good hit. And, and the first thing he does is something different. It's an Electromatic Gretsch. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, Electromatic Gretsch, under 400 Really? New? That's pretty good. No, no, it wasn't under 400 It was $450. So the first one is outside of the top of his range. Now, why create a range a, a, and then go outside of it right away? So I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, I mean, 400, 400 is a little tough to get under, but just say, you know what, we, we boo booed with the range. Yeah. So his first one, because I, I want to do a five reasons, but let let me just get through this thing because I gotta I gotta tell you about it. So, um, his first reason to do it is to save money. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, that's why people buy inexpensive guitars. You're yeah, no money. shit. All right. So the next next thing he says is, "Oh, these are these are uh, humbucker pickups and blah blah blah." On it. Okay. So he picks up guitar number two. What's guitar number two? It's a Squire. And what's also about guitar number two that's that's outside of what he was saying? It's also four hundred fifty dollars. So he's got two guitars, both under four hundred dollars, both out of the price range. And, um. He uh, gets to the um, second guitar, and it's a Squire, which he said he was going to stay away from the Squires. And, of course, it's a Jaguar. We have to go with an offset because it's a hipster guitar. Okay. I have a theory. Got to do that because it's, it's the hipster thing. Yeah, me too. But What's your theory, by the way? Go ahead. All right. My theory is that Gretsch or not Gretsch, that Rhett Scholl knows so little about the market that he thinks that there yep. are guitars that he would actually enjoy for 300 or for like 200 yeah. to 400 dollars. And what he doesn't yeah. realize is all that stuff that he probably would have enjoyed has crept up in price and it's now between right. you know 350 and 700 dollars. Um because he's my, so out of yeah, touch. Yeah, my theory is that's right. My theory is the last time that he had to buy something like that was when my mom and dad bought it for him when he was a teen. Well, I mean, maybe, um, maybe, maybe not. But the reality is that stuff's changed since we've been doing this show. Oh yeah, you remember the oh, Squire yeah, price I hike? I mean, yeah. like people yeah, are it was only two years ago or something. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, even if you were, even if you were in tune with it three or four years ago, like you, you walk into a music store now, you're going to be in a wasteland comparatively. Yep, and that's something he should have mentioned. Didn't, but that's all right. And then the first thing he says, well. Another thing you might want to do is mudding a guitar. That's not a reason to buy cheap. It's a good reason to buy cheap. It really is. Great reason to buy cheap. But he's he's talking about $450 guitar, so it's already out of that price range. And then what does he do? He says, and you could probably get a mastery bridge and a mastery. Um, well, that's $400. <laughs> yeah. He just doubled the price of that fucking guitar. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, over time, you could upgrade it. Sure. But in the meantime, you're going to have like, to wear, you're going to have to play wound G-strings. He's like this. He goes like this. I, I 
had this one here just for this version. He goes, well, see this nut? Yeah, this nut is terrible. These tuners aren't very good. This bridge isn't very good. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, so, so like... Why so did like, you pick that guitar up? So if he, like, said, this nut needs swapping, that's 15 bucks. 30 bucks installed. Yeah. Right? These tuners need swapping, that's 50 bucks. This bridge needs swapping, yeah. that's $100. Now you're already at the point where your $400 right. investment guitar is at $550. Ask me how I know. Trust me. Ask yeah. me in the group how I know. I can point you to a number right. of episodes that will explain to you about what I did with a ch Chinese guitar. Um, so you put your, your guitar before you even went to that whammy bar part at $600. Yep. $150 plus, yep. The, plus the guitar. And even if you got some kind of discount, which you might be able to, you're not going to... Most of these mom and pops are not going to cut you more than a 10% discount. Most of them. I'm not saying all of them. I'm not saying none of them will go 15%. I'm just saying that... On that end of the of market, it's peanuts more. anyways at 10%, 20%. They can give you 30% yeah, off, and you're still going to struggle to hit 400 Yeah. And so now... <clears throat> so, um, uh, as I said... So then he get he grabs another guitar. And I'm thinking he's got five reasons he's going to grab five guitars. He only comes up with three. He, there's a fourth one in the thing. And here's the other thing. Um, going in to buy a, a, a budget guitar, my assistant, <laughs> I'm like, how many people take an assistant to buy a budget guitar? And what he should have done, the only thing that could have been more hipster and out of touch would have been, my assistant, who is also carrying my Starbucks, <laughs> and you know we're he was. <laughs> you know he was. For fuck's sake! So wait a minute. So wait a minute. And let, let let's back up for a second. Let's be real clear here. Red Shull is not an A lister. No, he might be a B lister. I would say he's probably closer to a C on C the B, B side of things in that range. And he has an assistant. Has an assistant. Let's just let's just what? Can we unpack that? Are we sure it wasn't his wife Tilly? Oh, I'm 100% sure cuz the guy's name was Chris. And if his wife if it was his wife, his wife has gotten ugly and has grown a mustache. But anyway, so, because um, thanks, Chili's. I feel so good woman. now. I feel really I good about myself. <laughs> Have you met her? Um, so, uh, how does that feel? Yeah, <laughs> actually, I've seen Tilly on on a few different things. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I want to go talk to that in a minute. But so anyway, I mean, uh, so so he's so like you said, he's so out of touch with it, and he picks up a guitar. It's a Dan Electro. And again, I'm thinking, okay, now he's in the used category. Maybe he's going to get it. So it's a used Dan Electro. What's the price? $399.95. Well, he, at least he was $5 under that maximum number on his one guitar. Um, but it's used, and it's modded to within an inch of his life. And so it's already modded up, and it's set up beautiful. By the way, it did. It looked it looked great. I, it, I don't know if it was a um, touch-up grab that somebody did or, or what sounded good. Um, oh, and here's the other thing. This is how out of touch with that, with that market he is. He doesn't take the guitars over and play them through a Spider 5 or through a 
um, you know, a katana or through a. Uh, it's a, a 69 plexi or something. It's got to be. He's playing through a two rock. Oh, great. With, with, a, with stacks and stacks of. He's, he's over in the, in the amp room. Nowhere near whatever budget amps but, they but may Jim, or may not but Jim, have. You're supposed Wait. to spend more money on your amp than your guitar. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you'd spend that, you know, you could you could buy a car or you could buy your two rock. <laughs> and then it's it, it's sitting with heads and, and combos of what amp do you think? What hipster amp, not two rock. I don't know about hipster. Starts with an M. Starts oh, with an Morgan. M. Oh, Morgan. Matchless. Oh, Matchless. Got a pile of matchless. Matchless isn't hipster, though, man. Matchless is like... Well, like that's the uh, proto hipster. Yeah. <laughs> like it was before yeah. all that, and actually was really popular on stages for a long time before. Yeah, that. oh yeah. Didn't they go downhill and come back? Is that the, the one that main guy left? Sam, sold, Greg Sampson, yeah, or whatever he, he left. And came back, yeah. And yeah, but I know somebody who's Bought really into him. Like uh, he's yeah. got, he's actually. So got anyway, one. he's playing it in a pile of matchless, and and then he's he plays one through a two rock. Then he takes another one through a pro reverb. So it's like. So you're going to play it through two thousand dollar amps. the The thing that that I don't know as people like this, and and it's a lot of the YouTube community understands is play it through something. Somebody's going to be able to, at the highest end. That that tweed right there that I've got set next to me, which is really just that's going to be junior. high end. Blues Junior. Yeah, it is. It's a Blues Junior. It's a blue, tweed Blues Junior. Um. That's pretty much the quote unquote high end. I've got a spark right here. Somewhere. Um, not out of the bag like usual. I, I'm buying what? a shelf just to put the spark on so I at least play it once in a while. I mean, but the thing is that that um people are are like it if you're out and looking for a budget guitar, what are the five reasons? And number one, what's your What's your number one reason usually for buying a budget guitar? Not you and me. Backup. What's most? <laughs> yeah, it's a backup. It's also, it's also because you don't have a lot of money. You yeah. don't spend a lot of money. Right. Right. You it's either a budget. don't have it. Right. You're going in on a budget, and if you're going in with four hundred dollars or five hundred dollars on a guitar, which I still think is a lot, um, two to four hundred is a lot. Which is why I think these Firefly. You can't even find a Firefly right now. All right. All right. Let's back up. Yeah. I don't think I don't think in today's market, two hundred or four hundred bucks is really all that much. And here and here's no. why. So I'm looking at Dan Electro right now. Take a take a wild guess what Dan Electro guitars start at. Current Dan Electro models. Six hundred. Uh no, they they've got some cheaper ones than that, but okay, you're not gonna want them, and they're they're four hundred eighty bucks. Right? Yeah, okay, like five hundred. Chinese made like inexpensive Dan Electro copy of their 50 designs. Now, granted, Dan Electro knows who their who their fan base is, and like these guitars are built to satisfy that group of people. I'm not a Dan Electro fan. I think um, I think they they have their place, but like I would I don't have any reason to own one. But that said, like when you read these descriptions, they're freaking hilarious. I just want to share one with you. Um, this is a Dan Electro. 57 electric guitar in jade semi hollow body electric guitar with hardwood plywood body maple neck pow ferrule fingerboard and two single coil pickups jade <laughs> they they advertise the fact that it's hardwood slash plywood 
Yep. Well, they have to. That's the that's part of the. Um, they they should just not it. say anything at all. Yeah. I mean, but that but that's part of the allure of Dan Electra, right? Is like these are literally the cheapest you can get, and that model I just read off to you is six hundred dollars. So just just put that um, into perspective. Like when you get outside of Squire and buying power of the companies like Fender and Gibson, who own Epiphone and uh, Squire, like the buying power drops off and it's harder to get quality parts and an affordable price in a well-made guitar. Because I played some of these Dan Electros before and they're not bad guitars. Actually, the, most of them are set up pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. They sound cool, but the reality is they're made out of junk. I mean, that's essentially um, plywood yeah. and uh, whatever bargain basement kind of metals they can get to put in their hardware and pickups. Um, now they go all the way up. Now Dan Electro goes all the way up to, I think I saw one here for 700. Yeah, there's a couple models for 700. Their sitar is 700, which is cool because they brought the sitar back. Uh, the coral sitar. Yes. Which well, I wouldn't the mind couple of, one of those. Right. The couple of, of Dan Electros that are actually kind of, okay, that might be something I'd look at, is their sitar. That's number one. Um, and number two, I would look at one of their um, uh, their baritones. Yeah. And, the, and they those did are baritones. Right around 500 bucks, which is what I think, like, <laughs> if you can get under 500, I, I think this is how Rhett should have looked at the categories. He should have said, Anywhere underneath $500. And that should have been right. his cap. And there are plenty of guitars, and I don't care what brand you look at, there are plenty of guitars you can find for under 500 bucks that'll get the job done. That's right. They don't have to be cool. Like, he went into this thing with this idea that it's cool or whatever, and it's like, they don't have to be. Just no. I mean, I played some some LT or ESP guitars today that were freaking outstanding for, like, I think one of them was $9.99, which is way more expensive than this. But they had other ones that were way under that price cap that were fine. Like, mm-hmm. I could have taken one home and been content for what I was going to do with it. Um, and I, I that's why I, like, look at this thing. He didn't even give five good reasons. It, it, oh. from, from what you're telling me, like, the reasons is just absolute, absolute ridiculousness. Oh, his, his last reason, this is his last reason. He was so... I think he, he wanted to make a top five list and he was so bad at it. And rat, he, he needed sorry, the, fi- the top five. He needed the top Admit five it. so he could get it in the search engine, is what it is. Yep. Yep. So, guess what number five was? You don't need a bag for it. You could just throw it in the back seat. That was number five. The reason you buy a budget guitar is so that you don't need a bag or a case. You can just throw it in the back seat and feel good about it. That was number five. I thought to myself, I said, you actually thought that that's something that somebody would say, you know why I bought a budget guitar so I could just toss it back here. I knew, I knew a guy, I will kid you not, all right? I knew a dude. I hope he's still around. His name is Bob Miro. Um, uh, really good, really good, really nice guy for it. Um, uh, matter of fact, I found the one that he bought today. He got a whole hundred dollars off of it used. Um, it's the Dan Electro 59 M NOS plus electric orange metallic flake. Anyway, yeah, um, I'm, I'm looking at that guitar. 
Yeah. And it, um, a friend of mine used to have a, an original early, uh, 70s jazz bass. And when he would come to, when he knew he was coming to rehearsal, he'd just throw it in his trunk. He'd just throw it in the trunk. And he'd, and he'd come to rehearsal and pull the thing out and just tune start playing. He goes, you know what I love about this bass? I never have to tune it. It was so used to being treated badly. He really didn't tune, have to tune it that much. He was It'd be really funny if like, you find well out the truss made. rod was broken and three of the bolts on the oh, neck yeah, were broken. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that, that, that thing was so effed up. He'd throw it in the back of the... It, it didn't matter. Two degrees outside or 200 degrees outside. That thing was in the back of the car. Just... So, no... Rat, he just leave it in there. Like, he had a nice space at home, but... <laughs> it, it was... Uh, it was a stellar, stellar base, um, but the but I just thought that was funny. He like puts it on the he's he's leaving and he's out of ideas of number five. And he goes, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Basically, throw it on the back feet. Hey, Chris. Wow, good prep. Let me let me show you that. Let me show you how this episode started for them. Hey, Chris. Is that his sister's name? Sister's Chris. Yeah, Chris. Hey, Chris. I gotta go to the guitar store, and I didn't do a video for today. Um, why don't you just go with me and I'll look at some cheap stuff and like we'll make a you know a top five and Chris yeah. is like whatever you say man <laughs> whatever man is it legal yet yeah uh, I don't I mean I don't know if that's but anyway so can we hot box on the way Jesus um <laughs> alright is it 420 yet Jesus alright so let's uh Let's back up. Let's. Uh, I do want a. I do want a Longhorn Dan Electro just for the look. I that have, is the coolest looking bass. I mean, as far as the the I retro it, look, I love the Longhorn. Oh, uh, the disgusting, disgusting looking things. <laughs> it's um, so funny looking. Yeah. All right. So let's back up. So yeah. since Rhett did this, you think we could do a better job of five reasons I to buy an inexpensive guitar? Yeah, and let's toss out the first reason, the most obvious reason, all right? Yeah, budget. The most obvious reason, saving money. That's right. Budget. So let's toss that out. Let's toss out budget, and let's go with five reasons, and one is not, I'm going to throw it in the back seat. <laughs> well, uh, let, let, let me come up with one. Um, all right. Because there are actually legitimately cool budget guitars that are inexpensive that you can get through a gig on, and in some gigs, it might actually be preferable to take a $400 guitar. Like if you've ever played a hardcore show in your life or know what hardcore music is, you don't want to take your Les Paul or, well, I mean, your Les Paul, maybe depending, but you don't want to take your PRS core model to a hardcore show, especially if there's no stage. Like if you're standing in front of people and they're all raging on you, last thing you want is your, your PRS with you. Um, that is an appropriate show for a Dan Electro. Um, That's right. Plus, there's also times where the tones are preferred from a trashy guitar. Like if you're going to play Cashmere, you might want a Dan Electro. That's right. That's right. So reason number one from the practical guitarist is because. It's appropriate. <laughs> it's appropriate. It's the right guitar. It's situationally appropriate. Um. I'm going to I'm going to come up with reason number 2. It's a guitar you almost never use. It's that one guitar. Like I said, the baritone, the sitar. 
That that's another great reason to have a Dan Electro or a Gretch, one of those two, or a Gretch. Yep. Or the, if you can get your hands on them, Fender. Why don't you put more of these out? People love them, but the the um, uh, the baritones that they did in the Squire um, thing. Uh, but anyway, it's that guitar you you use one maybe two songs. Actually, perfect example is the bass six. Bass six. Great example. Because it's Great a super example. weird thing, and Squire put one out. Yep. You know? Another one, Squire. Come on. Give yeah. us another one. That was a genius idea. Guitars. That was a genius yep. idea for them to put that as a Squire because it's like nobody's really going to pay twelve or $1,300 for this out of a production True. line coming from Fender. But Squire, you know? And I'm sure they sold a boatload of those guys. I know people that have them, so... Um, that's another, that's another thing. Um, right. so that's, that's two. Um, let me see if I can come up with another one. And I can't be throwing it into the toilet. Probably because you actually like it. And like, that's a dumb, like who'd have thought that's a no brainer. Like, if you actually like the guitar, I have somebody I was talking to the other day. They're talking about getting a Telecaster and they're like, I want to get like a Mexican Telecaster or something yeah. and even an older one or whatever. And th- their logic was sound, though it's out of the price range of this conversation. The logic of sound is like, well, I, you know, I really like the guitars and I just don't want, I don't really see the need or reason to buy a really expensive one. Be- and, and you know what? That's valid too. That might even be reason for, because here's you can the, find like the Telecaster is a perfect example, right? That's right. If I ever get one, that's probably going to be it. Um, uh, uh, the other thing, like I was talking about, the the Dan Electro Longhorn Copper Burst, because I like them. I like the look of it. I think it's cool. I think it's retro. It's the one really cool hipster thing. I go, it's kind of cool and hipster and retro that I would like to have. I don't know if that's hipster and. With my my assistant and my um, my uh, cup of overpriced coffee, which I had this morning. Um, okay, and it, you said because you like it. There you go. That's a great one. That number three, great one. I thought. Um, uh, and number four, and this one um, I've got. This is an easy one. This is a low ball. Thanks for throwing me this uh, this low ball. This slow low ball. And that is because you want to you want to mess it up. Yeah, I mean, if you want to relic it, why the hell would you buy a really expensive gar- guitar with the intention of relicking the crap out of it? You're gonna you're gonna relic Beat it. You're it gonna within an, inch of, within an inch of its life. You're just gonna take it. You're gonna rip the paint off and take it. Strip to it your down local to the strip it down dealer. to just the bridge pickup, and you know, rip all the electronics out of it. You're gonna wire that bridge pickup directly to the output, not yep. even a volume knob. Yep. You're going to sand that. every bit of stuff off it, put clear lacquer on it, put stickers on it from everywhere you've been, do stuff like that. It's going to be Cover your, it it's duct tape. Be your guitar. Uh-uh, or electrical tape, Eddie Van Halen style. That That's the guitar. Right. That's the guitar. Right. Now, of course, if you have the money, if you have the jack, you might do it to a guitar like this. But most of us are going to, are going to do it to... You know, like I'm, I'm modding the, um, 
PRS behind me. Um, I have number reason number five, and I think my reason number five is really good. Okay, good. Because you're just starting. Gee, how about that? <laughs> you're just starting out. Maybe you're not going to be in love I with I feel that like there's like five or ten more that we could come up with in like a short period of time. It's like, that's why I said this is a total phone-in video. That's why I said it's like a, it's a low, slow ball. And, and the thing about it is, you know, and I wish I wouldn't have looked at these, these Dan Electros because there really are some cool-looking ones. But um, my point is that it, where we're a group of we're we're a, a group of people who have so many options. In my day, in your day, even when you were young, you're you're a lot younger than I am. There were not this many options of inexpensive guitars you could do this to or with. I I think there so like when I started, there were definitely a lot of choices, but there were a lot of choices. It was like, no, nah, I ain't touching that, and everybody was like, no, nah, don't touch that. Um, right. So like there was like Samic. Yeah. I had a Samic that was a Samic guitar, but um, but well, it's because they were making guitars for everybody else at the time. They were in their heyday, right? right? Um, before yep. they became Greg Bennett, because they were trying to. They they'd already lost that's their hold the on the industry, and they were like, "We got to figure this out." Um, yeah, that's the years that I'm thinking of that are not bad. The Greg Bennett years. Yeah, I think they I think they legitimately tried to build a quality guitar during that time. Before that, they were basically like Court is now. Court makes decent guitars. Uh, I don't think anybody's expecting Court to be you know um, pro tier, but like that's kind of it's kind of what I'm talking about. So when I was a kid. Most of the beginner guys I knew were buying not Squires, but Mexican Fenders. And mm-hmm. because they were only 350 bucks. Yeah. And that's not used, that's new. Okay. And th- this isn't that long ago. This is like 2000, right? Yeah. And you could, you could bump up. And this is the reason that people were doing that. Fender had a really, really good strategy. Yep. You buy the Mexican one. And if you get good enough and you play hard enough, getting that going from the Mexican guitar into the American standard was like $400 price difference. It's peanuts comparatively, right? Like compared to what it is today where that buy-in difference is much more noticeable um, because it's even the the Mexican guitars are hitting what? $700. Some of them are over grand. Well, yeah, but the, but the base model, like the, what you would consider the standard is like 700 bucks. Yeah. I mean, it's literally double what it was in, in 2020. And I've heard people say like, well, you know, with inflation, listen, the value of the dollar has not doubled. We have not had double the amount of inflation. There is definitely some tomfoolery in their pricing. Uh, and it has yep. to do with the fact that they put better pickups and better hardware on these guitars from when I was from always here. Because the joke was when you bought a Mexican standard back then, it was like, well, just rip the pickups out, change the bridge. You know, now we talk about doing that with Squires, right? Um, and like a lot of people just keep their stock Mexican electronics. And the reason is because the stock Mexican electronics aren't as bad now. Um, they were pretty abysmal, uh, when I was younger, but, um, like I can remember I had an American standard not too long ago that was stocked and I ripped the pickups out of cause it sounded like crap. And it was a uh, 2003, 
2004, I think. Like it was in that that era. So just just keep it in perspective, you know. Like back when I was a kid, you bought Fender or you bought Epiphone, and a lot a lot of people were dabbling in Squire as beginners, unless you unless your parents bought you the Strat Pack. Yeah. Like that was that was common. Nobody was buying Telecasters. Like not right. in the not in my age group. They were all wanting Strats. Most of them wanted fat strats or they were wanting Ibanez's and Ibanez's were super popular. Um, yep. And that was before. So the che- they had cheap RGs. That was before the Geo line. Um, yeah, yeah. You could buy an Ibanez RG for I still wouldn't $270. You can't give me a Geo. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're like the worst thing in the world. They're much better than their budget line was when I was because I had a I had one of their budget destroyers. Which was the the Millennium Edition or whatever the cheap the cheapo one? It was in candy apple yep. red, and that guitar like the it was so fra- it was so fake feeling, like the the nut was the cheapest plastic you could get the um, the board was rosewood but it was like bright shiny rosewood, which was weird, and then the neck was satin but it wasn't like it wasn't thin satin. Let's just put it that way. And the body, the body paint looked great. I had a great, gorgeous, like candy apple red sparkle, and uh, the hardware looked okay. But I can remember the first time I used a screwdriver to adjust the bridge, uh, the uh, tailpiece height. It it left marks in the tailpiece screws, um, and kind of wore away some of the nickel plating. And uh, going, well, that was cheap. Um, oh, and the pickups weren't adjustable pull pieces, you know. I did a calculator for January of 2000 to now. And a $350 guitar should only cost $550. Yep. Which, if we went just a couple of years ago, that's what they were you costing. could get a Fender Player Series for $550. Bucks. And then they went to six something, and now they're up over seven. Do you know and why? Now, do you know why the Mexican guitars are more expensive now? I can tell that? you why. Because sure. the Squires had to get better in quality. And because the Squires got better in quality, they had to shift the pricing model across the board. If you want to stick it to Fender, the best thing you could possibly probably do right now is buy a Squire and go to the cheap Squires, like Affinities and that kind of stuff. Because yeah. they're probably just barely making 20% margin on those. And they're making all that margin back on the Mexican stuff because their costs haven't really changed on those. They're just, they're they're marking them up to make more money on the, or to, to get more players in the door. Because I, I have a feeling there's market research there. If you started with a Squire, chances are you'll stay in the Fender line all the way up to, you know, if you do become a pro or whatever. Oh, that's the, that's the idea. It's just like when they used to give, when, so when I was younger, Apple would give schools apples. They, yeah, they still do that. And the whole idea um, was... So they started on an Apple, and this is back, I mean, literally, they were Apple. I mean, it was like, it was... It, um, it didn't work with my generation. A lot of us went yeah. PC anyway. Yep. But I. But they weren't anyway, giving them uh, away. They were just, they were making them so cheap, it was like you couldn't resist buying the Mac. I mean, that was... Yeah, so, so now a Fender Player Series is $809. $800. Yeah. I mean, they're on sale right now for six fifty, and that's a big deal. I remember them being on sale last year for over a hundred dollars less. 
They went in the four hundred upper four hundred dollars category. The exact same guitar. Not even anything different about it. There's no new pickups. There's no new wood. There's no new neck. There's no new tech. There's no new anything except now versus a year ago. Um, so I'm just I'm taken aback. I'm blown away by how much a you know. I mean that's a plus top still seven fifty for a regular old um, player Strat. I'm just I don't get it. I don't get it. And is there such a thing as a Fender player's telly? I don't know. But um, I'm just, and like you said, if you go um, into the American um, guitars, I mean, a performer is still $1,200. Yeah. Which, honestly, if I was Fender, I would be trying to, I would want my my mid-level offering on the, lower end line to be around 600 and I would want my high end guitar to be right at 1000. They're pushing squires to $600. Yep. Which is, which is, I, I think some of that's we've established dominance in the industry. And so now we can just start price hiking squire, which is funny to me, but like, there's no real reason for them to price hike. I mean, the guitars were the same as they were last year. Uh, why would they be going up in price? It's not as though core tech had to implement new machinery or, you know, that there's been some sweeping quality control issues that they have fixed. It, it, there's really no reason for it other than cost of living increase, which I don't know how that applies to the third world where they're having those guitars produced. Uh, exactly. So here's a question, and this is one interesting for the group and, Something to ponder. You can talk about it in the show notes below. What is making Fender the most money? And 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 just some things to keep in mind as you ponder this question is Fender has gotten so diversified in the last five years. They have Fender mm-hmm. Play, which is their online service, their subscription online service. They have yep. now blurred the lines on their production lines for Fender. Squire is creeping up in price and like on top of that they have diversified lines they have the custom shop which nobody even thinks about anymore uh but they have this three thousand dollar plus like line of guitars that's stratospheric um they have the acoustic line which includes the acoustasonic they have uh the uh build your own service i forget what they're calling it um like they have, they, their fingers are like spread out real wide right now. And my question is, what side of the business do you think is allowing them to grow this way? Because there's not, I, I'm not going to pretend that every line that they have is working and is making them a ton of money. I have a feeling most of them are probably stinkers and there's two or three things that they're doing right that are, that are allowing them to experiment because that's usually how it works. So it's just, I'm, I'm just curious, like what people think is working over there and what isn't. And that's part of the reason why I'm asking the question, but like Fender play, right? So that excited their investors a lot because it's like, well, now we have this subscription service. So even if you don't buy guitars from us, you'll still spend five bucks a month to pretend you're learning guitar. And I say pretend because, yeah. because we, we know what a subscription service is. It's like going to the gym, you get the gym membership, you go regularly. Most people go regularly for a couple of weeks and then they forget yep. and, and then they, they don't, don't start go. going anymore. And then they, 
they have to let the the twelve year timer run out or the twelve month timer yep. run out before they can cancel. Timer. Yep. And it, yep. that's kind of like what I think is they're they're aiming for with the subscription model is this this idea that you bought the guitar, we'll give you six months free or a year free or whatever it is they give you free, and then after that you're going to be obligated to pay, and that it, it allows people to buy in, you know, and get into this world. And I think Fender actually wants Fender Play to be to make people want to buy more fenders. So for them, it's kind of like, we'd almost rather just give it away to people who buy our guitars free, lifetime free. And I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see that at some point. Buy a fender, get free lifetime fender play, put in your serial number kind of deal. And then you'll see there'll be a piece of tape on the serial number when you buy them from the store. Because they, yeah. they don't want anybody to know what their serial number is until they get it home. And that'll be your activation code for Fender Play. Or you'll get it activated at the counter. Um, but the reason why I say this is because I could just see that happening because they really just want to use that as a service to drive people to buy more Fender guitars. I mean, that's that's okay. what that's about. It's there. I don't think... I, and maybe they, they are probably making good money on $20 a month subscriptions. You know? But like, I don't see that sustaining them. They spend mo- way more than $20 a month on you know that whatever they're getting for their subscriptions, this isn't this isn't Netflix or Disney Plus. I think Fender. I think what's keeping Fender alive is just okay. We we talked a lot about one thing, and that is, look, it's a lifestyle. Well, that's what like, I was going to say. Is it the lifestyle products? That's the other facet that I didn't mention. But um, I think I think it's a lifestyle brand. I think Fender. they want the lifestyle products to run the company. I think they think that lifestyle will take over eventually and be providing them a massive amount of income. But I suspect right now, even though that like your hat you're wearing right now, that was probably three dollars for them to produce that, if that. Probably. And it, it was shipping and and marketing and getting it to the stores, and so for them like. That's all gravy. If somebody spends twenty dollars on a three dollar hat, that's seventeen dollars yep. in the pocket. That's right. You know, you you don't have to sell as much to make that work. Right. Well, right. So what I'm saying is I don't, I don't think it's – I don't know if it's the lifestyle products they want to c- carry them because a lifestyle product will only carry you so f- as far as people care about Fender guitars and amplifiers. Well, yeah, right. So they have to – they still have to provide a product that, that makes people buy the lifestyle product. So those right. ecosystems feed but, themselves. Right. And, and it's a but – it's but it's an ecosystem. I mean, I'll never forget the first time I heard somebody say a Fender sounds best through a Fender. And yet I was like, well, wait a minute. I remember Jimi Hendrix playing through a Marshall. Um, but, <laughs> you know, so there's a, there is a, an ecosystem. Um, well, that is. so here's the challenge, right? Fender existed long before the lifestyle products did. So is there an ecosystem? Yeah. I mean, I know there exactly. is this symbiotic relationship, but well, without the guitars... The other side ceases to exist, but the guitars can keep the company afloat regardless. They have, which is why I'm sitting there kind of like, I think they're secondary. I I understand what you're saying, and I actually kind of agree with you. I just think that the lifestyle products is like this avenue they're going down because they could see that being very lucrative. So like, look at, look at, um, we got to remember who else that, that, uh, their major investment firm owns Harley Davidson, right? And Harley, like, it's pretty clear at this point that Harley Davidson is making money off motorcycles, but the vast majority of their income comes from their leather jackets oh, yeah. and their t-shirts 
and all the Helmets. other paraphernalia and the and the shot glasses and you know. Oh my god, you've got no idea. When you get when you get deep into it, oh my god. Everything from boots to jackets to I have I have all my lifestyle stuff for when I was a hirely rider. Well we had a Harley um, store so, come in, come into our local mall here and it was funny because I was like, wait a minute. Did they're selling motorcycles? And then I walked in there and nope. I was like, there's not a motorcycle nope. in that store. Like, what the hell? Nope. <laughs> jackets like, and what hats the hell? and t shirts and shot glasses <laughs> and playing cards and Yeah, you it's name like it wait hats. a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a motorcycle company. Where are the goddamn motorcycles? They got one in a glass case up oh, no, front. Not, you know? Yeah. Those are down the street. Um yeah, it's it, it it and it's a real thing. But what I was what I was saying is if um if I can get people to recognize Fender's name and Fender's Thing. Then when they when they walk into a guitar store, the the typical person that walks into a guitar store um, is going to ask for one of maybe two or three brands. We've talked about this before, so and it's more likely they're going to talk about two. Yeah, it's Fender Gibson. Notes. Fender Gibson. When it comes to the Marsh or the uh, the amps, they're going to talk Fender Marshall. And so most people. Most everyday people, that is the thing. So what what keeps them alive? I think that that as long as they can keep people interested, and and here's where they're here's where they're, not necessarily they're failing. The system has failed them. They increase their prices probably because they've been waiting a long time to do so, and now all of a sudden, um, and we've talked about this. Even today, there's all these guitars that are on Amazon, for sake, that are $200 and under. That are looking exactly like they look. And they're totally marketed towards people who don't know any better. That's right. Which, you know, Ryan Burke Burke is trying to dispel that myth and, and pretend like, you know, all that stuff's really great. And it's good to a certain point, but like they're not, it's misleading. You know what I mean? It, it's it's well telling people that they're something they're not in some right. way because you're you're trumping up saying you know it's worth two hundred bucks. Well, but if you don't know what what three hundred bucks gets you from a mainline right. guitar, like how are you going to be able to disseminate that? What that actually means? And Donner is doing a great job of this. Donner, the company that makes they make budget low 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 price stuff. Now, if you look up Donner, they're making pedals. I, I, I don't think they're making any of this shit. I think they're branding. They're branding pedals. They're branding power supplies. I have a friend who's using a Donner power supply. Um, and I, when I looked up how much he paid, I was like, what? Yeah. For an isolated power supply with eight outputs? $150? Isolated. I know. I know. And then... <clears throat> um. Uh, he's got, or, or they've got, uh, they've got bases, and you know what they've got for if you watch there, go to Amazon. Everybody, go to Amazon. Look up Donner. Just stick at Donner Blitzen Common Cupid. D O N N E R. Yep. Look it up, and then watch the little video, and you'll see a band that's obviously syncing. They're not. They're miming, which 
hey, everybody mimes, right? They're obviously miming. They're, but there's a killer tune, some cool kids, and they're all surfing, and they're, and they're skateboarding, and they're really cool, and they're hip, and... This is embarrassing to hear you say that, like they're really cool and hip and describe them that way. I'm like, no, no, yeah. they're not. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's it. But, but, and they're good looking and they're, they're men and women and they're, and they're enjoying themselves, which is all good. Don't get me wrong. It's a beer commercial for fucking guitars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's literally Michelob Ultra for the guitar player. The thing that's, that it doesn't scare me, I think I, I'm thinking about taking the, the plunge in a daughter just to see what it's like. I mean, I spend that much money on steak. I mean, um, I mean, they have some interesting products like their wireless thing is just an XLR plug. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of market disruptors in the wireless community right now. There's Nox. There's who's the yep. one that you've got? Um, the X5. X5. Boss has theirs now, um, which I'm using and I actually like. I did not use it at the gig yesterday. Um, that's worth mentioning. Uh, and then they have like these like converters for lights. And yeah. I, Donner's doing some interesting stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Yeah. I was shocked. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop a bomb on you. When but I was but a, they're selling everything. Guitar, yeah, 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 yeah. piano, drums. It's just like Behringer. Okay. So I'm gonna drop a I'm gonna drop a bomb on you. So you were talking about people coming into the store and like Fender and Marshall and Fender and Gibson like being the brands that everybody sort of knows. Do you know what's really funny? When I was a kid and I went into the guitar store, do you know the logo I looked for? It was Peavy. And and it was because I can remember, I could even in like 2001, 2000, 1999 ish, I can remember seeing PV advertising in the 80s and early 90s, specifically the stuff promoting Eddie Van Halen. And Mm -hmm. also, like, you know, all the, because everybody in the 80s used PV and the country bands were still using PV. And like, I can remember the electric like the the lightning bolt logo and being like PV is another brand that's worth buying. And when yeah. I bought my PV Rage, which was my first like real guitar amp, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I had a Brownsville before that and I had a keyboard amp before that. When I bought um a PV Rage, my parents were kind of like, well, we know the PV name. You know, like PV's PV's good stuff. Like we we know yep. musicians using PV. And they weren't wrong. I mean, it's noisy. Uh, that maybe not the the perfect design, but realistically, not bad stuff either, right? And so, like, I I look at that now, and I kind of I kind of laugh about it because I'm like, the generation before me only had Fender Gibson, Fender Marshall, right? And for me, it was like, there's PV, there's Marshall. You know, Ibanez was another brand that I was familiar with when I walked in to get my first guitar. Uh, the brands I didn't know were like Samick. I knew Yamaha too. That was another. Uh, that was another brand, and it was like. Yep. So, I think it just depends on your exposure, and I think it also depends on the context of what you grew up in. I knew Ibanez because all the bands I was listening to were playing Ibanez guitars, and I just 
like knew the logo and I sort of knew like, oh, Ibanez. I knew how to spell that. Um, but I didn't know like what they were. I didn't know, you know, that they had about their heritage and legacy or any of that. It, about the precursory knowledge most people have when they buy their first Fender Strat or mm-hmm. when they buy their first Epiphone Les Paul. You know, I just I, thought it was worth mentioning. I, just different, different context, different age. You know. Yeah, I come from a a weird time because I've I've said before I'm I'm the end of the baby boomers, right? Um, so I was born in May of '64. The the that was the last year of baby boomers, by the way. So people who say "Hey, boomer," it's it's a little difficult, a little disingenuous because I don't really fit in either. Boomer one is a state category. of mind, right? And 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 here's the thing, so. As I was growing up and coming into coming into my own, think about it. There was there were the Beatles, and there was the Stones, and there was um, uh, a lot of AOR. We're moving into uh, um, the Zeppelin, and of course Deep Purple, uh, Black Sabbath, Peter Frampton, um, you know, and and but there was also Devo. Who was doing their own thing? I mean, they were the, they were the, they were for the weirdos like myself. And um, if you ever watched an early Devo thing, you'll see that they didn't care what their guitars were made of. <laughs> they ripped them to pieces and did whatever they wanted. Uh, but the point is, um, you know, so I grew up Saturday Night Live. I I'm old enough to watch the first Saturday Night Live, right? I watched it um, live. Uh, Mork and Mindy, all that stuff. So, but the point is, Saturday Night Live was really, and Fridays was a, was a show very similar to that, was the first time that you could actually watch the bands live on regular old ABC, NBC, CBS that was outside of Lawrence Welk, that was outside of, of um, Bandstand, American Bandstand, which we watched on Saturdays, Saturdays or Sundays. It was um, Soul Train, you know, that kind of thing. We we got this, we got exposed, and Fender and Gibson and Rickenbacker, obviously, and Fox made a, made a big push to get their stuff on television. They didn't care if the band actually used that stuff. They were like, no, no, play our stuff, play our stuff, play our stuff, here's our stuff. Um, smart moves. And look at what Fender's doing now. Gibson's doing the same thing. Play our stuff, play our stuff here. Take some. We'll, we'll do a video with you. We'll do this high budget, really nice video where you sit down and you talk about how you grew up loving our stuff. We don't care if it's real. <laughs> we, we just want you to say it was. And it could be. I'm not saying that, that these videos are fake. My point is, so when I walked into a store, bless you. Thank you. Unless you, nobody heard of any of the budget stuff that was sitting in that store. And, and you only heard of the big stuff. Like Tokai, um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Tokai. And uh, there was Ibanez. There was the, because remember, I'm a teenager, the lawsuit era guitars were yeah, out. Yeah, and at that time, I'm sure it's, you heard people call them Ibanez. Yep. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, we had a lot of names for the different things that, yeah, well, Iben had. Well, so, yep. so like, um, before there was Tisco. Brands like yep. that, and I'm sure you're familiar with Tico, Tisco and Silvertone and all, oh, the, yeah. all the stuff like that. And the reason why I bring it up is because, like, so the Tisco Silvertone stuff was not, it could not touch what was being produced here at that time. 
Uh, right. They're they're kind of junk. If you've ever played a Tisco, like if you played a good one, then you're like consider yourself of winning, Lucky. having won the lottery. <laughs> uh, Hagstrom was another company that had like awful stuff, um, and the funny thing is when you get into the seventies, like the early seventies, then you've got like lawsuit Ibanez's and stuff. And people hated those guitars. They, they, they made so much fun of them. They had names like Ibanez had and stuff like that. But you know what the funny part is? Those guitars were great. Even now, yeah, a lot people of them. actually like seek those out because they're really good guitars. Most of the time. Yeah. And I was looking at Ibanez Roadstar online the other day. And I was like, Hey, you know, uh, and it, the uh, Shin, I think, is it Shingo Jockey Factory or whatever, uh, yep. which was which was actually producing Ibanez guitars. Uh, Ibanez is an imprint; it's a bl- it's a branded design that they That's use. Right. But like this Toshino Shingaki Factory is actually what builds them. It was actually the one that did it. Yeah, yeah. and and well, they were they were building like several fake lines, like Tokai and Global, and uh, yep. a couple of these other companies. But um, yeah, Greco. the the Greco, right? Uh, yep. And the funny part about this whole shenanigans is like everybody pissed on those guitars when they came out. Nobody wanted them. And now there's this whole market for because they're dirt cheap. But the reality yep. is they're they're on par with what. So like at that time, think about it. What do you got going on in the guitar world? Fender's producing right. the shittiest stuff of its of its legacy. And, and Gibson is Gibson following is producing shit garbage a lot of garbage and i and i laugh now when i hear about all these people one day they're you know 10 years ago if you said that you had a 74 les paul people would laugh in your face now they're like oh my god i want one of those um well but just like age makes everything everything desirable too but the reality is and and there's a certain amount of oh i was born in 74 so i want one of those you know yeah that's one thing like i get that lucky enough to be that young guitar they had when they were a teenager I get that. Yeah, <clears throat> I was um, uh, I was watching a channel to talk about the the history of Squire. I thought it was really interesting. And one of the things that that the history of Squire is Squire was very famous for making violins, and um, they were on par with Stradivarius. And some of their violins go for as much as a hundred thousand dollars. Just to let you know, we're talking about the same company, by the way. Now, what happened was Squire saw a market that nobody else had strings strings were being made overseas gut strings for gut instruments so to get strings for the classical instruments squire was like wait a minute we can make them right here in michigan so that's what they did they made their stuff squire was an american company people yep and what happened was fender leo fender towards the end of of the second guy that was in charge of Squire. Squire started in the 1800s. So you've got the second guy who's going to pass on. Fender comes in and says, hey, we want you to make our strings. So guess who made all the Fender strings right into the 70s? But that also is why they Fender acquired, branded. But that is why they acquired them and they That's reused it. their brand name. That's it. Because they needed a name for the line. They yep. didn't want to do what Gibson did where it was like they wanted it to be Squire by Fender, which is like a yep. little different thing. So they actually used another brand they acquired. They actually owned several at that point. They owned Dearmond. Yep. And because uh, they bought Dearmond, I think, for pickup production. 
And I think he was just trying to, if I recall, the story goes, he was trying to acquire the pickup winding machines they were using. Yeah. Um, Something like that. Something like that. Because they had some, like, Daramont did actually have some really unique pickup designs that are sort of Gretsch reminiscent. um, Which he was... Another company... He had a running feud with Gretsch. Um, Yeah. Another company we didn't mention that really got popular in the 70s um, as a result of Cheap Trick, and that's Hamer. Yeah, but and uh, the Hamer started off as a one-off custom shop. That was that yep. was a weird, that's a weird thing. But like, that's a brand that just basically fell through the floor. Now, and you can buy yeah. Hamers. Hamers are expensive though, because uh, there is a collector's market for those. Yeah, like yeah. if you look for like chaparrals um, and stuff like that. You same. Pay. Yeah, same with the old uh, uh, BC Riches, and we talked about those Bernie before. Rico, that was BC another. Riches. Yep, Bernie Recall, because those those were the real thing. Um, they're not the rebranded crap. You, you know, and even the even the stuff like pre, I would say like late 80s, pre 1990, because they got acquired by another company and then they went to hell basically is what happened. But when they were right before that transition, like right after Bernie left the company, they weren't bad. Yep. They have a bad no, reputation. No, no. But I have a feeling yeah, it's the same thing as like, like Shingaki, right? When, right? when that lawsuit happened, uh, everybody didn't like those guitars because right. they were a knockoff. And that's really what it was. It came down to brand name recognition, not merit. Yep. It came down to that's brand right. name recognition. That's absolutely right. When you're talking about the Gibson Les Pauls that were sandwiches, I mean, we're, we were laughing earlier about the Dan Electros. Yeah. Come on. That's what the, that's, that's what what the 70s, 70s Les Paul, a lot of and them. And they were, you know, basically around the same price with inflation as they are now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you can imagine pay, paying two twenty five hundred dollars for plywood, like yeah. people should have been writing their Congress people. I mean, it was just nuts. Um, yeah. So you know, there's a lot of inflation in the seventies, though. So I think that that may have played into that. I think people were willing to accept less because inflation yep. gotten so bad. Oh my god! Yeah, folks, just to put something in perspective for you. When I went, when I became an adult and I was going to buy a house, people were like, no, 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 rent, 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 rent. And I said, why? And he said, because believe it or not, mortgage rates were upwards of 13%. Yeah. I mean, gas prices. Imagine, yeah. I, yeah. And as I grew up, gas prices were, that was the first time gas broke a dollar. Yeah. And uh, um, so it, it was terrible. You'd go to buy a car and, and your interest rate was upwards of 27, 20, you know, but you were lucky to get like a, um, you know, 20% interest rate um, at certain points. Um, it, there was no work um, for a lot of people. I mean, I went in the service because the choice was to go to college to get a degree you weren't going to be able to use or go into the service, at least make a little bit of money. Um, so yeah, there was a there were a lot of things that um, uh, that were in flux at that point, and also remember um, uh, we're talking about the seventies. That was when companies that knew nothing and didn't care about. I know a lot of people are going to go, "Well, Leo Fender didn't play guitar." Yeah, I know, but he did build amplifiers. He had plenty of players he helping him. Did. That's exactly right, and he did go out and he talked to people like James Burton and and those folks, and to, and asked for their opinion and listened to their opinion and integrated their opinions. Um, 
And the same with with uh, Gibson. They had musicians on it. Um, you know, I was just listening to a uh, thing about Vox and the and the history of of the uh, Wah, and how he jokingly said, "Well, why don't you just put Clyde McCoy on the?" And they did. Well, like Dick, he Dick. was a washed up trumpet player. <laughs> he jokingly used his name. He goes, "The only reason I know who I knew who Clyde McCoy was was because my brother had a Cloyd had an album with Clyde McCoy playing trumpet on it." Well, like like he was, the reason for, he for was some joking. Of, the reason for some of the amplifiers that exist from Fender, like the Super Reverb, is Dick Dale. Yeah, because he couldn't yeah. get loud enough. Like he kept going back to him, like no more more and i believe the first fender twins were were designed for him and like you think about that for a minute like that's player input and yeah he was so people have this thing that that leo was like super involved in the guitar side of the the business he was more over in the amplifier side he was interested in guitar electronics he was way into pickups um he he was an engineer so like he liked looking at things like you know when george fuller would bring him like this is the tremolo system i want to use He'd say, well, what if we did this, you know? And they, they'd work together on this stuff. But but most of the guitars outside of the Telecaster, those were yeah. other people that were designing those guitars that Leo was helping or that, like, he it was a 50-50 process. It was a collaboration. So it's that's interesting yeah. to think about. It was like, oh, yeah, he didn't play guitar, but, you know, he he had, I, I'm sure George Fullerton probably knew a few chords. And I don't buy that yeah. Leo never played a guitar either. I have a feeling that, Leo picked it up over the years and would pick up guitars from time to time and play a few things. Right. But, but he was not, you know, he was not a player. Like he wasn't a Paul Reed Smith. Paul Reed Smith has a band, you know, like that's yeah, a, Paul that's Reed a Smith thing. is quite good on guitar. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, but um, looking at uh, again, Gibson, they, they had Tim uh, or McCarty um, and uh, they had, um, well, they had Les Paul for a while um, and they, and they listened I think what, but what happened to both of them, both of them, because uh, you were talking about that, and I was, I was remembering how Marshall, you know, it was like um, same thing with uh, with the Who. Uh, Pete Townsend was like, I need more, and so then the um, bass player, I need more, and they just went back and forth. And then, I could do a whole show on the difference oh, yeah. between that way that Fender and Marshall solved those problems. Though it's really funny. Yeah, they took I think totally we- different approaches. Yeah, I think we should talk about that next week. Seriously, write that down for next week. Yeah, because because that is an interesting approach to the way that they went about getting more. Um, anyway, uh, here's what happened though. For for those who don't know the history, both companies were purchased by um, exterior companies. I guess at the time uh, I didn't know that uh, Leo was sick. Um, I guess he needed to get out of the business for a little while. Um, but anyway, um, uh, Fender was sold to CBS, right? That was the CBS years. And Gibson was sold to Norlin. Norlin. And so um, companies that come in and do this, they're not interested in making better instruments. They're not interested in listening to musicians. They're not interested in in doing things the right way. What and, and what I mean by the right way is the, is the improved bit to bring the instrument forward. They reversed the instrument. They started making them cheaper. 
cheaper materials, cheaper um, uh, work flow. Um, and unfortunately, when you do that and you say, you know what, it, how much were we paying so-and-so to be on the, you know, Dick Dale or whoever to, to help us out? Well, screw that. He's helped us as much as he's going to help us. The, the guitar is as good as it's ever going to be. They decided they gonna, knew better. That's right. That's, that's exactly what I was saying. And, and that's that allowed a, that's companies. how you ended up with linear power stages and stuff like that. That was a terrible idea. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's how um, uh, it's how come companies like Ibanez and um, those companies could run right past them. Mesa Boogie is a prime example. Yeah, ran right past them to the point. That Fender's biggest competitor in the marketplace snapped them up the opportunity that they saw. Yeah, and that's and and it's one of probably the most controversial acquisition I've seen in the music industry since I've been playing guitar. decades. Decades. There's people so it, still bitching about it. I mean, like yeah. it's crazy. It's going to go on for years, and I've seen more shit posted on the internet. Of people that don't know a damn thing about anything and heard something from some dealer that didn't know anything about it either. Try I heard it. I heard one I heard one guy saying uh their dealer was blowing out their Mesa Boogie stock because Mesa was pulling the plug on their dealerships. But Mesa's what? not Okay. Let let me back up. I have a reason why this dealer said this. They want out. Of Mesa Boogie because for whatever reason, whatever market they're in, they're probably sitting on a ton of inventory and they know they can't get out of Mesa Boogie's pricing. So they just said this to it. I'm holding yeah. holding up one of my fingers if you can guess which one. Um, yeah. <laughs> they, they held up the finger and they said, no, we'll just pretend like uh, Mesa's screwing us. And yeah. uh, that way our customers won't think we're spineless. That's right. And uh, And we didn't do something stupid. And then, on the, right. and then people can think they're getting a great deal because Mesa's, you know, changing. It's like a whole, it's a psychological warfare tactic that some mom and pop thought was a good idea. And that's right. And then it's not it's being posted on the internet. Like this is, this is scientific fact. And yep. you can also find um, situations where like, I heard something today. Well, because Mesa is now under the parent company of, um, of uh, Gibson, they're switching away from using British, British vintage thirties. They're switching away from using British vintage 30s. No one, no one ever anywhere has said that. There is no cabinets changes. coming out with with you know Chinese made Celestians in them. It's just not a thing, um, unless you order a different speaker from them than what comes in them stock. Okay? That's right. Like that's right. I don't understand why people just immediately think that the worst has happened, and this has been a thing what? for now. What three months? Yeah, and people are just months. like, oh my god, it's so horrible. Listen, I, I I know some of the um the Mesa Boogie guys around here locally that are like the big buyers. They buy a lot of the the stuff that comes through our local dealer. Um, and I'll be honest with you, uh, none of them are in any fear right now. They're all like, well, maybe uh maybe they'll sit on the shelves longer and uh, maybe some deals will be had. Like that's kind of they're they're like we're not going to say anything because. I, in fact, one person in particular I talked to is like, I wouldn't really want to say anything about it because if people are panicked and they're like, oh, the quality's gone to crap, it just means right. the price is going to go down. You know, and it yep. might mean that, it might not. 
But the reality is like that's the kind of attitude that some of these guys have is like we're not going to we're not going to stop this misinformation from going around. Um, oh, hell no. <laughs> and let those used prices sh- start skyrocketing because, oh, I got to get an older one because I can't buy a newer one. Um, I you know what? Again, like you said, I saw, so okay. I've talked to a lot of people. You're, you're right. And I, I'm not going to I didn't want to cut you off, but I just you, you said something that like I just went, oh, holy shit. I should talk about that. Um, I saw somebody post on Facebook Marketplace the other day a uh, Mesa Boogie triple rectifier for $10,000 saying pre, pre Gibson. And I'm like, I looked at the, I looked at it for a minute and I went, this is gotta a, be a troll post. I was like, this isn't a desirable one. Like, this is like one of the ones that's like, they go for like a grand because they're, because they were like the, the middle revision that wasn't any good. Uh, yep. and I was just kind of like, Wow. It's got to be a troll. You're brazen as shit. Like, and if he's not a troll, like he's getting some people are commenting on that. Like, you idiot. Like, you know, that kind of thing. But anyway, go on. Yeah, you should share that with Fluff so he can put it on his uh, ridiculous radio. No, I think we, I think I talked about it on our show, you know, since that was our bit first. Yeah. And it was our bit first. Uh, Uh, It's not like he's aware of of us. Speaking of which, I got to show you this one. While I, we're I'm happy flying under the radar. That's that's you know that's me. I I was on uh, Facebook Marketplace today, and I got to show you the, the bass guitar that showed up. So locally, guys selling a PV Millennium bass guitar. What's your decent guitar? So I'm like, it's all right. Five string PV Millennium. Wait till you see the picture. It'll active. be easy for me to find. Huh? Those were active bases. They made yeah. five, is that's a five string version because they made five and fours. Yep. Modern, five modern strings. body style. It was like walnut, um, I think. Well, wait, you'll see. Oh, that's where it gets funny. <laughs> oh shit, I should have saved it. Come on, where is I'm it? afraid of what he did to it. Just tell us. No, it's not something he did. Oh. It's the picture itself. This is what's hilarious. Well, you're not gonna be able to show that on your phone on the show. Nobody's gonna be able to see that. I'll just turn it around. Um, here it is. There's the picture. Oh. Yeah. That's the picture. That's a hell of a the picture. Base. Can that's... you see the picture? Oh yeah. Don't 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 that's... miss it. Don't blink. I... They're selling that meat. is the picture. That's not even this is slavery? He said you know what he said? He went used a couple of times, sat in storage since first come, first serve. Don't or, or sat in storage since he doesn't he doesn't know how to use um punctuation period so. punctuation yeah it, it says used a couple of times I comma sat in storage since first come first serve period um he's definitely four twenty capable I would respond don't currently and be like, have pictures don't currently have pictures <laughs> I would respond and be like are you a robot. <laughs> don't really have pictures i'm like i kind of and so the price is in violation of facebook marketplace terms of service the price it, is good yeah 25 bucks that's that's called come to my storage and pick it up and uh leave all your yeah, weapons where, in the car so i can rob you yeah that's where it gets a little bit and he doesn't live far from me he's in Chesapeake. so i'm like yeah i don't know if i want to Tell him, hey, 125 bucks. I'll look at you. But then I'm thinking, okay, it's a PV Millennium that he hasn't seen in a long time. You put storage. Is it in storage that in this area, 
it better be in storage that's that's um, uh, air conditioned, because otherwise, it's it's just it probably is. It's probably trash. Yeah, um, and so and that's why anyway. Hundred twenty five bucks. Well, you know, they but anyway, go, they're not super expensive anyway. I looked at one for like three hundred bucks a while back. So, yeah, I mean, if it's if it was in a decent shape and it was one hundred twenty five dollars, and I could look down it and make yeah, sure it's not. Net, well, and then you could turn the truss rod to make sure it's not snapped. Exactly, because it might have come undone just from heat warping it in and out. But anyway, so yeah, I I think we we come to a good place, a good stopping yes. point. Um, I think next week we could talk about that. I think looking at the history of how um, Gibson and Marshall. Well, talking uh, about the, the mechanics of loudness too. I think yeah. that's a, it's a big part of that conversation that drives huh. like uh, the approaches to solve. So basically what I'm going to, what I'm going to rationalize is that of the four or five people who were like influential in their amp design, they all aim to solve the same problems, but they did it in completely different ways. Yep. And yeah. it's just a problem solving approach. And you'll, you'll see that like science actually says that some of these guys were just legit wrong. Um, but it didn't mean that their designs didn't, you know, exist forever in perpetuity. Um, they just, yeah, they just, I mean, had differing ideas with science and that made them. Yeah. Wrong. We'll talk about it more then, but there were, there was the, the, um, I, I use this as a, um, as a term of endearment, by the way, having been in the, uh, weapons industry, uh, uh mass weapons, by the way, uh, the, um, you could go with the Russian, uh, uh approach of just Scorching putting earth. a whole shitload of it on one place and yeah. being as loud as possible, which is what um, uh, uh, our friends at um, in the band uh, Grateful Dead did with their that that picture you people see with the with the bunches of speakers. Okay, that's that, real. That whole that, thing. So that whole thing, like everybody's like, oh, it's just it was just to be loud. There's more to it than that. We'll talk about that. No, I think that's and that's, that's what we should that's, talking about. Yeah. That's right, because it wasn't about being loud, and that's what a lot of people when they see a lot of pictures, they're like, "Oh yeah, that's about." Or that that huge, um, uh, what is it, a, a forty, um, ten inch speaker, uh, Ampeg or something? Yeah, they've got that one. That's not what it's about. It's not about being loud. That's not what it's oh, for. I should talk so, about the one. There's a there's a Fender amplifier that I saw and read about the other day that was like, I. I about shit myself when I read it. I was like, they made this. This was a thing. <laughs> and and it was. And it's outrageous. There is an outrageous oh, fender amp we're going to talk about next week. I, I look be I actually want to be surprised next week about that. Um, so yeah, I think that that these kinds of things um uh they're they're there. And uh um we have like I said, the Wawa. There um JHS did a freaking fantastic, fantastic um, video about the wah pedal. And I always find it so funny to listen to the guy that built it. can't remember the engineer's name uh, because I keep thinking Clyde McCoy, and that's not who it was. And here's a guy, Clyde McCoy. They probably paid him, um, you know, $500,000, whatever, and said, yeah, can we put your name on this pedal? There – so – your McCoy, Clyde McCoy Wah, or your Clyde Waz are named after a washed up, <laughs> has been 
trumpet player who really wasn't all that good. Well, they thought it would get used on trumpet, too. That was the other thing. Well, because they wanted to sell it to Lawrence Welk-type big bands that had four or five trumpets in a band. But they didn't realize they they should have just played the long game. Yep. Well, but yeah, which eventually is what happened, but. They wanted that quick fix money. Did you see? And the guy that, the guy that designed it, uh, he he was not only electrically engineering savvy; he was a good guitar player. No, I know. Yeah. Um, we're gonna end, but but before we do that, I want to encourage our our viewers to go watch the um, the JHS uh, uh, that oh yeah musical. that. Is worth the watch. I want a T-shirt. I'll wear that next week. Yeah. Um, because uh, Addison did so much work. Addison's the guy you see playing bass. Uh, yeah. Now and again on the on the channel. Uh, did so much work to get that to. It took like three weeks for that to get from Kansas City to Virginia. Um, and Addison was very patient with me because I was like, "Does this normally happen?" He said, "I don't know what the heck's going on." And they were going to send me something else out. He goes, "Well." If that doesn't come next week, I'll I'll send you out something else. I'll send so, you a surprise. So um, I kind of was hoping for the surprise. I almost told him, "Oh no, I didn't." Get it. <laughs> but yeah. I'm not that kind of person. I'm not that person. So honestly, like uh, JHS, um, and that whole thing. Like, I hope they do more stuff like that. I'm not like I don't really like that kind of stuff. It's kind of geeky. It's like a little bit too much for me. But yep, I was laughing because I'm like, oh, this is so God. over the top. Like. And Brett Show was involved. Yeah, I he did a good job too. What yep. he did, and and to be honest with you, I enjoyed the whole thing. I mean, there wasn't any part of it where I went, ah, I don't really enjoy this. I know I we're really real late on the uh, that pedal musical, or is it just the pedal musical? Uh, yeah, we're late on it, but definitely go watch it. It's fun. Yeah, um, I've been David. We'll link that. I've been Jim, and uh, tonight we've been practical guitars. Play the music. <laughs>